Alrighty, got us all together here in a little new spot, so uh, welcome to another episode of Lookout Podcast, I believe this might be episode 40 or 41, joined with my good friend Reen Eustace again. How we doing, Reen? Doing good. So, we have a real treat in store for you guys today. Uh, when we were doing my podcast, kind of toward the end of them, I kind of approached an idea to Luke about me being a guest moderator and me interviewing him. He interviews lots of us and hears our stories, so I kind of felt that he deserved to be able to tell his because he's done some pretty cool stuff too. So that's what we're up to. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. So, Luke, let's just start kind of at the beginning, you know, where you grew up and that kind of stuff, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, uh, born in Illinois, actually, in uh, McHenry, Illinois, and I and, uh, was there until, let's see, 98, I want to say, and then my folks moved out to, to Whitehall, and, and uh, then that's kind of like where... Why, why did you move there? Uh, well, my grandma and great-grandpa were from Great Falls originally, so um, okay. the how my family kind of ended up in Illinois, I think, was through the military route, like my... Grandma was um, in Great Falls, you know, born and raised there, and she's the Nez Perce Indian, or Nez Perce, as she says. Um, and she met my grandpa at the roller rink, at the roller rink at the Civic Center in uh, Great Falls. Civic oh, Center's cool. still there. Yeah, and uh, they hit it off from there, and then um, he was he was getting moved from Maelstrom to somewhere else, and, uh, you know, proposed, and she said yes, so she didn't follow him, and his mom was in Il- northern Illinois, and so they went there for a minute, and then he got stationed in Bermuda. Oh. So then they went to Bermuda, and that's where my oldest uncle was born, in Bermuda. Wow. Yeah, kind of cool, huh? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so then they moved back to Illinois to be close to his family, and I don't think they planned on being there that long, and then they ended up raising their kids there, and then um, came back out to Montana. Um, they they had land in Montana for a long time. My great grandparents were still here, so they ended up coming back in like the early '90s. And then my dad had been trying to get here ever since he was a kid. So opportunity came up in the late '90s. And so, how old were you got were you when you guys got here? Oh, 13, 12 or thirteen, I think. Okay, yeah, went up in Whitehall, and then yeah, junior high school age, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, 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 junior yeah. high, yeah. So in, in Whitehall. In Whitehall, yeah, graduated junior high in Whitehall there, and then graduated high school there too. And did you do sports and stuff in high school? Yep, yeah, I did sports, uh, football, basketball, and track and soccer, kind of back and forth. And then um, I uh, had to work, so I ended up hanging up the the tennis shoes, the the basketball shoes, and ended up working for A and W for most of my uh-huh. high school career. So like three years at A and W. All your friends from school probably cycled through there while you were working. Oh yeah, well, a lot of them worked there too because it's like the only game in town, and the owners were really nice and really supportive. So it was it was a good spot to be. Cool. Were any of your teams like uh, championship teams or anything like that? No. Yeah, man. All the uh, all the sports teams that I pretty was pretty on. small town. Really small. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two hundred kids in the whole high school when I was How there. Two hundred in oh, the wow. whole high school. Um, my class had started off at like 50 but the mine it so it was a kind of a mine town so golden sunlight mine which is still there but i don't know how much it's operating but it was um kind of the the heartblood of the the community when i was there and it was shutting down so 
a bunch of my friends were moving away and their families and it probably became a mining town about the time of Butte and many other places, I assume. I bet, yeah. Probably. It, Golden Sunlight seemed a little newer as gold mine. Um, but yeah, probably not too long after that, you know. And I think originally um, Whitehall was more of like an ag town and they would supply the Butte miners, like that Butte community, with a lot of the, uh, like milk and uh, meat and eggs and all that, that good stuff, too. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. At least that's what I was told. So. Yeah, yeah. So then when you graduated from high school, what was the plan then? Uh, when I graduated high school, I mean, I kind of thought about going uh, going college route. My counselor, my high school counselor didn't recommend it, and I don't blame her. I wasn't really showing any promise in the, in the scholastic world. So um, I ended up taking a year off, and a friend of the family was one of the managers of Conway Trucking So in Butte. So he offered me a position, and originally the position he offered me was going to be um, kind of a training position where they'd start me off in the docks and then got me forklift certified and then get me a CDL and kind of start doing some of the trucking stuff and it would be a good way to make some good money in a short period of time. Yeah. I wanted to go the Forest Service route, but back then it was really hard to get in the Forest Service. So did uh, was there a ranger station near Whitehall or in it? or In Whitehall, yeah. There was? So, so it was still split. Then. And what forest is that? Uh, it's on the Beaverhead Deer Lodge, so B-Bar-D. Okay. Yeah, and it was... Uh, there was it was still split, but um, at the time it felt like more people were working in Whitehall. It was a Butte Jefferson was the Ranger District, hmm. and the bulk of the fire crew I think still is in Whitehall. And back then there was a an engine in in uh, Butte. Now I want to say actually my first year or my first year out of high school when I was trying to work for the Forcers, Boulder, Montana had one of the engines. So there's three engines in the whole district. So there's one in Whitehall, one in Boulder at a work center, and then one in, in Butte. So it was kind of cool, like this triangle of, you know, uh, fire suppression. Yeah, yeah. So when did you start doing Forest Service stuff then, after that first year? No, it took a while. So I graduated in 2004, okay. and then doing a lot of odd and end construction things, you know, and I, I kind of had been doing that since I was pretty young. My uncle had his own construction company in Belgrade. Oh, okay. So when I was real young and like junior high, I'd, I'd work for him whenever I had the opportunity and then in high school a little bit and, and then odd jobs once in a while. So I had a little bit of background that I, I did some house moving. Um, and then none of it was real reliable and a lot of construction folks don't like students cause it's short season, you know, like did it, did any of your relatives do forest service stuff? No, not really. So to my surprise, I was the first. My my great grandpa worked for the county um, there in Great Falls. So, um, so I guess that's the closest thing I have. You yeah, know? yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's the only thing I can think of. So, but, but my family was kind of always outdoorsmen. So like my dad, especially real big, real big outdoorsman, and and then on my mom's side too. All all those folks too. My uh, great grandpa had his own uh, like boys club because um, he he missed the both. Like both wars around his age, like he was, he like too young for World War Two or too old. I can't remember how the age worked out, but I don't think he ever served, or maybe had uh, maybe had some kind of health thing. But what he ended up doing was starting the boys club for you know a lot of the kids who lost their dad overseas oh, or okay. just you know or their dad was just gone you know yeah. for the majority of the war. So he started this boys club to teach uh, young men skills. You cool. know, and that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a big camp there, just north of Chicago. So, huh. Yeah. Did your family do a lot of camping and stuff like that? Yep, yeah, growing up? yep, totally. And, and, and hunting too. Yep, and hunting, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and my especially my dad and you know all his friends and stuff. So cool. Yeah, I grew up with a little bit of that background, and uh, and then I was get, I was getting into hunting, but fire just kind of takes you over, you know. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so your first season then was when? First season was 2008. Okay, 2008. Yep, in Whitehall there. I was on the soup crew, which was the IA mod, but they called it the suppression crew back then. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where you did uh, your first training and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. They Guard were, school and all. Yeah, yeah. They send you off to like a central spot for the uh, for for the whole forest. You, right. You go to um, uh, Birch Creek was the place just north or yeah, just north of Dillon on I fifteen and beautiful spot. It was kind of cool because then you get to meet like your whole like forest rookie class. All, yeah, like, that's cool. All the districts. Yeah, so you got to build this relationship right away. And yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, and so then that first season after you finished guard school and stuff, you were a fire crew member. Yeah, yeah, just on that, yeah, and I, but the way that Whitehall cycled through, which I think a lot of districts do, it's just kind of whatever's available, and especially once days off, start, yeah, I mean, pretty sure everyone's on the, spend some time on the engine, because originally I was bummed, because I wanted to be on the engine, you know, it just felt yeah. like you're doing more, you know, fire, firefighter type work with an engine, you know? Right, right, yeah, we used to kind of do that too in the old days at Sula, you know, the fire crew would help all the other functions if there was nothing really going on firewise yeah you know we do pt and all that but uh some days we might help the range people you know or whatever functions yeah well i first started we were like the like the just labor for everybody you know which was like like you were just saying it was really cool we got to help improve some of the kind of divide trail there was some like uh, volunteer cycling group that was trying to add some other trail to it, and they got the approval. So we went up and helped create a new trail up on the on the pass there, going over Homestake. It, it was really cool. The fire crews quite often, you know, had more folks than a lot of the other functions too. So it was they would tap tap you guys, yeah. and they would tap us. You know, it's just a traditional thing that the the crew would fill in if they didn't have fire things to do. They could help the other groups do yeah other functions do whatever they needed, and it would you know, to everybody's advantage and stuff. Yeah. So when did you go on your first fire that season or that season? Yeah, it was really slow. Um, I don't know if you remember, 2008 was, was real slow and, uh, but I didn't know any different. So, you know, just doing all the project work and, you know, you're just waiting, you know, like you're chomping the bit for that yep. first fire. And, uh, the first fire, um, I want to say, I'm trying to think if I was even on, Oh no, I was on a, I was on a small one up in the big hole, uh, somewhere between wisdom and wise river was okay. my first one. And, no clue what was going on, you know, fresh out of guard school. And uh, it's funny for the people who've been listening a lot, I've heard the name Bronson a lot because he's one of my great buddies. He's uh, actually my older brother's best friend, but by, you know, um, by association, he ends up being, you know, one of my great buddies too. Um, but him and my older brother, thick, and th- thick as thieves since high school and grade school almost, you know. So, yeah. Anyways, you know, pop on this fire. He's in, he's in, fighting fire to wise river so he's there and running him right away so it's like really cool you know meet you know one of my pretty much another brother of mine you know right and then um one of my really good buddies is is the soup crew foreman so okay. uh so that worked out cool because i got to be you know working for one of my really good buddies and yeah and uh they probably just like most of the districts back you know when we all started uh there were there were folks that had probably been on the crew for quite a while yeah yeah a lot of experience and then being the force felt smaller back then so um there's some folks that i like became really good buddies with in guard school i hadn't seen since then and then when we tied in you know at the top it was like oh man you know like chris or jake or whoever you know like yeah oh, man i haven't seen since guard school you've been so you know those fires are in forests it ends up being more like a 
like a reunion kind of party fire. Like you're they like, were oh, always, man. They were always cool when the folks from the other districts would be involved. Yeah. Either to come to your district or you go to theirs or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, some of the, you know, games you kind of end up playing along the way with during mop-up and stuff is pretty cool, you know. So did you guys do any burning piles or anything like that? I don't think I, yeah. Well, yeah, the only burning I got that, that year was on the next fire I got on, and I oh, mean, I really don't remember any small fires that year. Like, we just didn't get the lightning, and it seemed like a wetter year. Yeah. Maybe, but I don't I don't remember any of it. And they'd, all the burning was done before I got on, being a student, and then the burning, the, the pile burning was was after I left, because I think I left at the end of, or beginning of September, um, because I was going to school at MCB, and fire, or the school then, and probably still does, always starts right after Labor Day weekend. Okay. And so I'd work through Labor Day weekend, and... Um, get that last holiday pay and then leave. Uh, but then, so the first time I got to fire, any kind of like firing operations was on a, a, a decent sized fire just outside of Whitehall. And during our Frontier Days uh, celebration that Whitehall has every year at the end of July, I think. Okay. Let's say around like the 25th or 27th. And it's, you know, big, you know, that's kind of a reunion itself because it's like a, the big to do and all the friends from other towns show up and there's a street dance, you know, they shut down the street and it's yeah, just fun cool. stuff. Yeah, live yeah. music. So they have a parade that morning, and I'm smoky because I'm the new guy. And we went out pretty hard and has celebrated the night before and kind of a sacrifice to Big Ernie. And so I'm I'm uh, definitely feeling the pain of you know, the <laughs> night before, and it's a super hot end of July. And I'm in smoky, and um, that for some reason usually they have smoky walk, but like I was riding on top of the engine, and uh, which you know it was like, all those chrome bins are just radiating oh. more heat up at me, and even oh, like yeah. the kids are feeling bad for me, like. Smokey, are you all right? <laughs> like, you know, you can't say anything, but I was just like waving and nodding, like, yeah. And but they're all giving me popsicles and water. All the yeah. little, even little kids really felt bad for me. And then we go to turn around because Whitehall's so small that you do two laps, you go down one way and back the other, you know, to extend <laughs> the parade. That's cool. And as we're turning around to go go back, uh, kind of west, I guess. Um, there's a, a good sized plume in the distance, and unfamiliar. To me, because I've never, I'd never seen that before in my life at that point, and yeah, but I, I, I could recognize it. So I was like, oh wow, and I was like, oh wow, I know what that is, you know, <laughs> like, and so we, we cruised back to the uh, district office, which is like right there, the cache where the store the engine, put Smokey away. They started feeding me Gatorades and water to try to rehydrate me, you know, to get on the fire line. And we ended up getting on a decent sized fire. It's huge to me being a young so fella. So you guys rolled out to it then? Yeah, it started as, as like a type four and I think it was like a type three for maybe a couple shifts. So it got that big and huh. I think that's some aviation on it. And Galton Repeller showed up and the Galton Repellers were like the coolest people on the planet that I'd ever met at that point in my life. <laughs> they all had yeah. aviators. They had like a little boom box and they were, they were just awesome. They're just like the coolest people ever. So I was like, oh, I want to be them someday. You yeah, know? that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think of all that? Oh, yeah. It's, like, it's so overwhelming at first. You know, like, it was a lot. Like, I, you know, in the movies, you know, you could put out a giant flame front with just, like, a Type 6 300-gallon engine. So I'm trying to do that, and I'm just wearing myself out, just, you know, trying to stay ahead of everything and trying to put out fire, and I'm just, you know, getting hooked and trying to stay ahead of it and just, you know, getting myself in a bad way, and I'm starting to get way overheated. Yeah. You know? So I'm yeah. starting to overexert myself. But... It ended up being really cool because then they sat me down in the shade for a minute after, like, we got some reinforcements and, and after we kind of lost that battle and it, it raced up the hill on us. But it, it was going to tie into a rock band, so it wasn't, like, the end of the world. Did you guys camp out on the fire? Not that night. So we were still trying to reorganize, and the I don't 
I think that was man caused, but I think there was like weather or something because they wanted they weren't sure if they're gonna hold the local resources for IA. Mm-hmm. I think is why we ended up going back to town, and what we weren't very far from town. And uh, but at the end of that shift, I want to say it was that night, maybe it was the next shift. We ended up doing some burning, and I was so pumped to use a fusey. <laughs> and as soon as I, you know. Crack that thing off. That is the worst smell on the planet, almost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know the smell coming off a fusey. Yeah, they are, the fumes are so awful. Pungent. Yeah, it gets oh. deep in your nostrils. Burn so, your nose and your lungs and stuff. Oh, yeah. and it stayed. And you could even like, and even when I got older, it was like, you know, lighted away from me. Like, right. it still gets you because it's so pungent. Yeah. But the cool thing about the first shift, though, is the is the night after the parade is the big street dance, like the big event. That's the big night for, for Frontier Day. So right. we're not really thinking about it. And you can kind of see town from the, the ridge we're up at. And we're like, oh, that's cool. And then we get the word we're going back. Because, you know, being a young, you know, younger guy on the, on the fire, you have no, you're not making plans. You're just going where, you tell, where they tell you. Yeah. So they tell us we're going back. I'm like, oh, cool. So we get back just in time for, like, the last 20. Catch part of it. Yeah, the last 20 minutes of the event, you know, the street dance. So. We're That's like, cool. <laughs> yeah, we got the thumbs up to run down our Nomex. So we like, you know, just t-shirt, dirty, you know, straight from fire. And <laughs> yeah. we, we run down our boots and greens and, you know, just to get the last few dances. And so it was super cool of, of leadership to let us go do that because it's a big event. You know, you're looking forward to it all year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, That's cool. Yeah. And the fire, you can see the fire really good from town. It's still up there glowing. So everyone's kind of like impressed. Like, oh man, were you guys on that? Like, yeah, no big <laughs> deal. You know? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. They're like, wait, why aren't you still on it? Like, well, it's fine for now. We'll get back after it in the morning, you know? Yeah. Did any folks stay out there uh, on it, probably? I want to say they did. Maybe the Butte. Maybe the Butte folks stayed on it that night or something. I don't remember anyone really sticking it out, but. Yeah. Um, or maybe the Hell Attack did, because, or the Repellers, because we we're, we're only had them loaned out for one shift, so. Gotcha. They might stay the night and then went back. Gotcha. So there must have been some kind of threat. You know, back then it was. No, so oblivious to anything else going on it was just like what was in front of me you know and that was that fire and lucky for that fire because um you know as a gs3 you're not making a ton of money and that was just base aids at that point you know so right right uh pretty happy to get the overtime on that one i know overtime was just the coolest thing it is yeah <laughs> and, and, and being a local fire you know not having like a like a team on and then well, one of the guys ended up being one of my really good friends aaron hoff took it over and he was the ic4 on it and um so we got to kind of do some stuff because we're a little thinner being just the district holding it yeah um i got to help out with some bucket drops and kind of learn how that goes and using the panel and and um my friend mitch was the one who was running the running the air ops on that but he ended up he let me jump in and, and uh train me up a little bit so cool just a big opportunity for especially for first yeah that's year, great you know? got to do a bunch of stuff you know to start off just because of the way it was with your friends being yeah overhead and whatever yeah exactly yeah so yeah. It, was, it was really cool and just having good people that are like you know, know it's important to take this opportunity to train when you got the opportunity, you know? Yeah, for sure. So did you have any other fires that season or that was just... Yeah, yeah so like uh, one more fire, it was actually called the Whetstone um, up uh, up somewhere in Peaberg, so probably something Whetstone Mountain or something, you know, and it's kind of more on our side, you know, and... Probably relatives of the Whetstones from our, our East Fork country. That's exactly what I was thinking, you know, yeah. like, yeah, so... Uh, so I'm wondering if it's not too far, like if you took the East Fork and just kept going towards Peaberg, you know, or if you yeah. went into where I was. Yeah. Because, like, those days I'm totally oblivious. But that was one of the cooler fires I was on because it was it was, uh, it was in, like, a wet area, too. But um, it was put up enough smoke to, you know, get some public concern. Yeah. So 
they hiked us in uh, and also just really um like uh low overtime for the whole season you know like not a good money maker for anybody and it's right. like the last for for the students so it's super cool of whoever was running the b-bar d at the point at that point put priority for the students to go on this fire so like it was just like a, a heavy student crew so that was really cool so yeah, we got to all cool. go and get the last little dip of overtime and cool but i ended up going uh tu on that fire tits up on that fire because of my crones so like that, that's when I first started battling Crohn's disease, and I ended up like the first couple shifts were amazing, and then it just spiraled yeah. down real fast, and I almost had to get evac'd off the fire. And huh? Yeah, one of uh, one of my good buddies ended up hiking me out, and the Butte engine actually was out patrolling. They came pick me up, and and my friend uh, Brendan Mullen, who recently retired, he he picked me up and said some good words of encouragement because yeah, you know I was feeling low, having to leave a fire before it was done, you know. Yeah, yeah. So then, did you go back the next season there? Or? Yeah, I ended up going back. At that point, I didn't really know what I was going to do because I had no idea what was going on with me, you know, with right. my system. So, um, but like a month later, I had to have emergency surgery, uh, maybe a little more than a month, but on my on my uh, intestines because of the Crohn's. I had, I think I ended up seeing like four uh, narrowings and like a bunch of fistulas, and they ended up having to remove two feet of intestine. So, oh, wow. Yeah, like 36 or something staples, 37 staples in my abdomen. And wow. Yeah, when I went under, it made it sound like it was going to be an appendix. They're like, oh, you make up maybe like an incision like that, you know? And I was like, oh, all right, whatever. You know, I didn't really care about the incision size. And I woke up and then, you know, my whole abdomen is, you know, stapled back together. I was like, what in the world happened? What was going on? Yeah. Wow. And my, my surgeon, her name was Catherine Hatch. She's, she was awesome, man. She, she really saved my bacon because... It was so severe, and she didn't expect it. So I think she, like, had, like, an hour for surgery time, and it being, like, a four-hour surgery. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then um, hearing not from her, but from where other did, folks. Where did you go for that surgery? In Billings. In Billings. Yeah, and I, I ended up driving myself, and my roommate is one of my best buddies. He's like, dude, why don't you tell me? He's like, I didn't know I was in this bad shape. I just felt bad, so I went to the ER, you know. And Yeah. Good, yeah, I hadn't eaten in weeks at that point because I couldn't. So, um, yeah, and woke up and i think i guess when they put me under my dad had been like hey you should see if they let me come in and watch you know and i was like oh sure you know and they're like no yeah i can't do that and uh but she's like i take some pictures for you it's like yeah please do you know so i don't remember having this conversation but uh yeah so yeah. when i woke up she had some pictures for me of my intestine and like oh jeez, yeah, <laughs> it was cool and she sent me the photos and I, I don't know if i still have them i think i might have lost them somewhere but that's different it was yeah but <laughs> I've been feeling so bad for so long. I didn't know what it felt like to be feeling good. And I'm running track at this point for MSUB. Okay. And so this is in my second year of track. And my first year was kind of rough because of my guts. And But, it, like, I had no idea what was going on. And, uh, so then second year I got on some, some better medication and get, uh, you know, get all that bad intestine out of me and, and yeah. get healed up. And I put on, like, a ton of weight. And I started competing better in track, too, like my – I got a little faster. My sprint times went down. My long well, jump. What did you, What did you run in track, or what did you do for indoor track? I did because uh, it's a little different. They don't have the hundred meter dash in indoor, so it's a sixty meter dash. Okay. So I, I did the sixty meter dash. And I did the two hundred. Once in a while, I got roped in the long relay, but that was only if they really were desperate because I was real slow on a four hundred. I could barely make it. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And then uh, long jump was like my main event. Was the one I was the, the best at, I guess. But cool. Yeah, so I did, I did that, and that's part of the reason I went to track was more for the long jump, and then we were just low on sprinters, so I started doing that too. Cool. Yeah. And so then more fire stuff? 
Yeah, so I go back for my second season really slow again, 2009. Um, just, I think that was a real wet year in 2009. Um, a lot of project work. Did got think, to do some. I think birding. we had a pretty fair amount of rain over here that, oh, really? that year, also. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I don't remember. Uh, I'm just thinking. I I left my little smokies at the office. I should have reviewed my smokies before we did this. But uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember doing much. I think. Well, no. I think I got my first big assignment down to down to um, Region Three in uh, I want to say Houston, Houston. No, not Houston. Some little town near, kind of near uh, Roswell in New Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah, and uh, that was, I just got my B, and so I was really pumped to go cut so on So that was a crew assignment that crew you assi- went on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 20-man 20, yeah, crew assignment, okay. type two, you know. and uh, So they have a swamping some dozer line, and I'm pumped. And But I have no idea how gnarly the brush is there. Like, everything's got... You know something that'll stab your stick, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm fighting thorns and it's hot, yeah, 110, like I said. And I, man, I can't believe I'm not catching fire. You know, like sawing. You yeah. know, all your PPE. Oh, I was just drenched. Yeah. But it was a cool experience. You know, like I don't think I could survive that now. But being <laughs> in it then, you know, you're just everything's awesome. You know. It's pretty amazing when you first get to go to another state, or especially a state that's far away from home. You know, like that. Yeah. Yeah, and see what what those folks do down there and totally yeah and, yeah and somehow I, I don't know if we got redirected or what happened you know because like i was just riding the truck but um we were i think maybe we we're just going on in severity and then also in that that uh hondo new mexico i think is where it was but uh that fire popped and um they just like needed bodies and they ended up sitting in this cabin uh, like at the our canyon at like the head of the fire and it was mostly just like kind of mobile homes and livestock so we were just going through and cutting fences and and ringing houses and just hoping, you know, by ringing, I mean, like, putting a ring of fire on the house. And, oh, gotcha. And uh, didn't have anything to do. I mean, like, some of the stuff, we if we could throw, like, some wood away from the house or some brush, we were doing that. But, I mean, if it was, like, time, yeah. had time, because we knew, like, we could see it coming. And mostly we were worried about the livestock. So we got a bunch of the horses out and just a lot of the ranchers were already ahead of us doing that. But whatever they just missed. let them loose? Yes, yeah, let them loose. And they yeah. ripped on the road and get ahead of it. And, and that was... So that was pretty gnarly. Like we, it's kind of exciting. Yeah, we had the whole big flame front come by us, and we were like in a ditch, and one of the other squads had to drive through it. It was it was pretty gnarly. Wow. Yeah, and then we get they had us had camp at the school there, and uh, so we were a little ways. I'm thinking south of town, and it had hit the highway and then headed north uh, towards the school where the camp was. And as we we're like setting up, you can see this big flame front come like cruising by, like not really ripping, but like. Not moving. something you want, yeah, moving, like, yeah. not something you want to be in front of, and I'm like, and no one seems to care, and, like, you know, my second year, I don't know that we're in a good spot, I'm just like, like what about that? Yeah, I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's right there, you know, and then, and then the next battle was, uh, snakes, lots of snakes, so, like, they, they're like, you gotta set up a tent, and I don't like tents, so I was like, I'm not setting up a tent, I didn't set up a tent, but luckily I didn't wake up with the snake. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, there's a lot of them down that country, for sure. Yeah. And, huh. the, and a lot of times with the problem with that, right, is they, they get cold at night and then you're a heat source, so they, that's why they crawl in the sleeping bag with you, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, never got the pleasure, thank God. Well, it sounds like it was an interesting fire. Yeah, it was. Sure. It was really cool. A lot Cru- of, crew assignment. Yeah, a lot of young folks on huh, it, a lot of my friends in the, in the overhead position. So, and, I mean, that was when I got introduced to Stupid Flips and uh, just a bunch of other, you know, fun crew stuff that, that were happening, you know, and, and just like. You know, like when you're on a crew for the Did bunch you stay of in a camp or did they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 We stayed in a camp the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. And 
uh, stupid flip work. I won the won the PPE flip to wear his PPE to to dinner. You know, full PPE. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's always interesting your first times. You know, in those camps, seeing how things work, and I don't know, catering services, or sometimes they just had small scale food service type stuff. You know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because it wasn't. It was a smaller fire, so I don't remember it being like a really big full on camp and. I think there were like a small little shower trailer. I want to say it was almost like a, a so lo- local food service because the food was really good. Yeah, and so that was awesome. That's cool. Yeah, stupid flip every day because it's pretty slow. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And then what? Yeah, uh, I know. And then by the end of that, it was just like just a goofball kind of fire. So just a bunch of like good funny people. Like everyone, on the, everyone on that crew had a great sense of humor, and so we ended up just having to seat a bunch of Doja line for the last couple of days, and so like. Someone would be falling in a truck, holding all the seeds and, you know, blasting some goofy music while all the rest of us are out there spreading seed around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that that was that. And then I'm trying to remember, you go back home and I'm trying to remember kind of what happened after that, um, fire-wise. Uh, I don't know. Living in the bunkhouse with a bunch of good folks at that point, too. And so that, that was a really good time. And um, started hanging out with, like, the big whole forks folks a little more. Like, especially in the beginning of the year, we all, like, met up at the Jackson Hot Springs. And oh, cool. Yeah, so that was a really good time and, and kind of crew bonding with the big whole folks. Yeah. And yeah. I'm trying to remember firewise. Oh, we ended up, yeah. I'm trying, I think I'm blending two, two years because I think this is, like. That's okay. 2010. Um, maybe that fire was 2010 as well. I mean, I'm trying to remember. 10 was slow over here. 9 and 10 both were slow over here. Yeah. And West Fork, I don't think we had very many fires that year. And I know a few of them we were on, we'd, we got rained out, basically. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I think you guys better come out now or you're not going to be able to, you know. And one of them, they were able to fly the copter in and get, there were only four of us on this one fire and they were able to fly us out. But oh, if it had been any leader, we would have, they wouldn't have been able to fly because it became totally overcast and we would have probably had to do a 10 mile hike toward Lost Trail Pass to get oh. out of there. Yeah. But, Dang, man. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because I ended up going to the Gila at, at like 2009 or 2008. I want to say maybe the Gila was my second year. Down to the Gila Forest? Yeah, in Silver yeah. City, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel silver's like, cool. It is really uh, cool. I yeah. always liked it. Yeah, and like we, you know, we, we got to see. Uh, we started patrolling. You know, the, the, like the second week we we're in, and we got to see the uh, um, uh, cave dwellings. You know, yeah, or cliff dwellings. Cliff dwellings. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a plaque to Geronimo at one of the spots, so good stop and check that out. And um, yeah, the Gila country is super cool. I want to say that that was actually so. The one story I just talked about being Hondo. That was my third year. I'm pretty positive. So that was in 2010. So this the Gila was 2009. Silver was cool too as a town. I mean, it had a had a lot of neat little like art shops and yeah. cool T-shirt stores and yeah, you know like uh, turquoise jewelry and all kinds of stuff like that. It was really I liked it. There. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I love the artwork and the feel and and it had a different feel to it. I remember we, there. Do you remember the little brewery that was there? I don't know if it still is. I think so. Yeah, that was kind of like a, a good hang for a lot of Forest Service folks. And yeah. That was when uh, I met, like, my first smoke jumper, and I was just like, oh, man. And one of my you know, one of my friends, uh, who was the engine boss for us, Zach Phillips, was was buddies with this guy. They'd been on Loose and Clark shots together, I think, or something. So I was like, dude, that's so cool. You know a jumper. And he's like, yeah, it's not a big deal for him. He he's, was a hot shot for a long time. Like, But for me, I was like, dang. But then yeah. after that, then this random dude comes over and starts talking to us. 
and he ends up being some kind of like scientist or you know some kind of researcher uh something with a phd huh and i can't remember exactly what his title was but he picks up a plate from the table that we're sitting at and he's like definitely didn't find any of these out here or in the antarctica or in antarctica and i was like what you know so this guy had been all over the place yeah and he was yeah. like researching ufos and he was trying to say it without saying it oh and he's like but that's about all I can say about this. That's why these guys are here. And sure enough, he had like two Secret Service looking people that were like in suits next to him. Really? Yeah. This is my first time to, you know, Silver City. And I'm like, is this guy off his marbles? Or like, but these guys look legit. And then they ended up escorting him out like not long after because I think he was starting to get a little too loose lipped. I was huh. like, I don't know what just happened there, but that was that was strange. That is strange. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you know, you already hear the stories about UFOs and, and uh, Gila monsters and stuff. And then this guy pops out of nowhere. So. That's wild. Yeah, I almost positive <laughs> that was in two thousand nine. So that that was that was a good trip. Cool. Pretty, yeah, pretty good time down there. So then, how long was it before you decided that you wanted to try and jump, or what did you do in between? Anything, you know, firewise uh, that stood out um, before you jumped? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess one thing I was going to say about my first year that I forgot to add was um, yeah. It, it was kind of cool because I got to be part of the of a tradition that I didn't know existed because it wasn't like it was it just wasn't a big deal and it wouldn't be a big deal if you weren't really in fire. So, um, the I want to say the last, I'll put it this way: the last existing lookout structure that I know of on the B Bar D is Red Mountain Lookout right outside of Butte, and um, so at the end of the season, I don't think they still do it, but at the end of the season, usually the last day the students are on. We do a PT hike up to Red Mountain Lookout, and it's just this awesome view. What was the name of it? Red Mountain. Red Mountain. Okay. They call it something else now. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but like it, it's usually in parentheses, like Red Mountain and uh, Red Mountain. I know. I'm so saying you guys hiked, hiked up to it. Hiked up to it, and like tradition was like hike up, do like our AAR for the season, you know. Oh, um, cool. And you know, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, you know, what we'd like to maybe do next year, and yeah. those kind of things, and. So it was super cool, and then was that the first lookout you'd been to ever? Yeah, that's why. That's why. What kind of a lookout was it? Was it an L four, a flat top, or something different that you remember? Ah oh, man, I'm having a hard time remembering. It was definitely either an L four or R six is a flat top. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. That'd be like Willow. Yeah, I think I want to say it's more like Willow, but I think it's old, so maybe it's an L four. Hmm. But it had a foundation, so it's probably an R six. Could have been right, yeah. Cause it was, wasn't yeah. on this on stilts like. Um, there was another one my my rookie year that was called Jack Mountain Lookout. It's kind of between, I think like Basin. It's between Butte and Boulder, so somewhere in that corridor on, on I fifteen and, um, but that one got removed and not sure whatever. When you to. guys hiked up to that one for your AAR, was it closed? Was anybody still up there staffing it or? Yeah, it was closed, but at the time, um, they would allow uh. Uh, the fire folks to use it like if an injured firefighter like one of my friends okay um he uh hit a bad back so he spent some time up in there and he had some some gnarly uh, storm stories from from being up in there huh so uh but that was about it and and years before not too long before that i guess they were they were staffing it full time and it, it overlooked butte and whitehall so it was kind of overlooking some pretty populated areas but i mean it looked down um trying to think of a good way to describe it looked down like towards like melrose too so like down i-15 that way so huh. yeah i mean it had a lot of coverage because it's pretty high up it's in the highland mountain range cool oh highland lookout that's the other thing it's it's called too huh. but I, I only saw that recently the highland lookout but i guess there's a couple red mountains so that's why someone may have changed it yeah probably yeah but that was it was cool so we had cigars and just 
you know, it was, a, it was a cool kind of last little bonding thing before, you know, folks get sent off to the to the school year and kind of a good thing to, you know, remember. Review, review your season and, you yeah. know, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and then maybe even, like, talk about the why of things, you know, that, that maybe you didn't, you missed during, you know, the heat of battle or whatever, you know. So yeah. That was cool. It was always fun when, uh, well, in all the districts and stuff, but I'm thinking of West Fork because there were a number of years where a lot of the folks on the crew, the hand crew would go down to, Magdalena in uh, Magdalene, Arizona, I think. Yeah, oh. down close to the Mexican border. And so when they'd come back, you know, those that didn't go, we'd have like a big gathering, you know, uh, after after we did the fire weather and that kind of stuff. And oh, yeah. they'd if they had gone to fires while they were down there, they'd, you know, tell everybody what they did and you know they had some pretty interesting experience desert fires and stuff yeah. like you were talking about God. way different than montana or our part of montana here anyway yeah yeah absolutely and, and you know they just give some input on what they did what what maybe they could have done differently you know just just information sharing yeah totally yeah, it's cool yeah that's and it's really good because then if you you find yourself down there you, you already have a few slideshows as people like you know say yeah and i'd i'd throw in a few things i didn't go on those trips with them you know but having been down there quite a bit on the hotshot crew and stuff you know i could give them a little perspective on certain aspects of those fires too yeah you've probably been all over the southwest huh yeah we went a lot yeah yeah man it used to be like especially for r1 you know we used to go down there all the time it feels like it seems like it's not as much anymore yeah 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 i know it was cool yeah so then then so, what happened yeah so a few years in district life you know starting to it's starting to be that turnover time that we're still kind of experiencing of like people not staying in positions because before well i guess when i started uh the gs5 perm on the bbrd didn't exist so uh a lot of people were just kind of moving on to different careers so we're losing a lot of experience because there's just not a good ladder you know in the in the fire world especially in the bbrd at that point yeah so um even me i was like uh had a lot of good time in the fire world end up having to take over um like pretty much engine boss uh duties in my third year i kind of started sliding into that role a little bit i okay. mean with with some some good training sure. and, and folks you know some good direction and um kind of but i earned it you know by like getting my ic5 and, and already you know running a few things locally on the district like yeah so and you know like projects and, and some smaller things and uh so i started kind of doing you know run the types of engine a little bit and then by my fourth year um i was running responding to fires independently you know and um, but like I said, I just had really good leadership, you know, to good mentors like, um, Joe Sampson's a, a big name in kind of the firewall now. He's the, for the Beaverhead Deer Lodge, he's the forest FMO, forest management officer. So kind of a big deal these days, you know, and yeah, Josh, you mean, uh, Joe Sampson. Oh, Joe. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, we all called him Sampson. Like, I just got so fortunate to have him as a mentor coming up cause he was a, a real kind of hands off, you know, like knew the right amount of information to give you and the right amount of like almost like leash to give you like yeah enough that you're not going to get yourself in trouble or anybody else but enough that you're going to do some problem solving on your own yeah and, and you could learn yeah, yeah learn yeah and figure it out yeah. and then, but yet they were cool about you know helping you if you needed yeah if and, you needed a little bit you know yep, and knowing the right time to come in and, and give you a little bit if you need it and and then his boss at the time because he's afmo detailed i think my first year and then his boss kevin smith is still the fmo there in whitehall 
and same deal like just just a great boss to have and mentor yeah, like cool. in that way yeah like when you know when he gave you you know the opportunity like to run the engine you knew like you, you earned it and he trusted you and it was totally hands off he wasn't micromanaging at all like as soon as he kind of gave you the keys to the engine it's like man you you knew you did you did good you know and you're you're gonna make him proud too because you wanted to you know so yep. you go out and do an awesome job those were the best kind of bosses the ones that mentored you well but didn't interfere you yeah. know let you do your job and yeah just offer constructive comments if they needed to but otherwise go for it yeah totally and, and in my experience like for me and everybody else who kind of came up with me around the same time or even a little before me because i was getting observant too around my third year second third year of like what's what's people doing what's working how do i want to be a leader you know and luckily i had you know people like joe sampson and, and kevin smith to good role models yeah to role model yeah and, and take a lot of notes from and yep so yeah, like I mean, I think most of us went above and beyond expectations when we finally did get the reins to, you know, go icy our own fire and and run the engine and the crew, you know. Yeah, cool. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Good times. <laughs> yeah. And then, so uh, you know, did that my fourth year, and and actually Kevin Smith, uh, Schmitty, he, uh, I was having a battle because I was like, man, I think it's time to go shot. A lot of people had been in as long as me, and I just gotten my. Firefighter Type 1 or Squad Boss and, and my IC5. And this was my fourth season, at the end of my fourth season. And I was like, um, I was like, ah, Schmitty, I don't know, man. Like, what's a, what's a good move here? You know, like, like uh, honestly, like, I'm not uh, totally n- not sure what I want to do with myself. I'm looking for some some guidance. And, yeah. And uh, and me and him were out on a project, just me and him doing something. And he's like, he's like you know what, Barrett? Like, you, uh, you just got your quals, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, just this year. You know, and he's like, He's like, all right, two things I get give you. He's like, it's your decision, do what you want. You know, hot shot is good experience. You're gonna get a lot of a lot of fire out, out of it and and learn a lot. And it's it's cool crew life. But you just got your quals. You you're finally like, you know, got your got your own qualifications underneath you and, and starting to get some engine time. And uh, so he's like, I could use you. And why don't you take a year just enjoy having some qualifications and get to use your squad boss, your faller B, and your IC five and start working on some engine stuff for me and he's like and career-wise i think you'll probably get a little more out of that because you'll get you know some you'll start your engine boss task book and start getting some signatures that way so right he's like that's how i look at it but if you want to go uh hot shot totally support that too and you know i'll recommend some spots for you like he i think he like said like helena and bitterroot and, and pretty much all the r1s like flathead and, and lewis and clark and yeah we had we had thrown quite a few folks from whitehall to lewis and clark so had a good relationship there and He's like, I support you either way, but that's my two cents. And it's just awesome, you know, like, didn't tell me any more than I needed and tell me any less, like, just perfect. You kind of got to make a choice of what you do. Yeah, so I, I came back, yeah, and, and then I got more opportunity because uh, we we lost our six. So our six moved on to somewhere somewhere else, or maybe took the seven in Butte, I can't remember. But So we we had a, we had a void there, so I ended up, as a temp five, I ended up filling in as a six, and not officially, right. but... Doing all the six doing type a lot six of duties the, of yeah. his work, yeah. yeah, yeah, or GS six, not type six. Doing all the GS six duties and yeah, super cool. You know, got to learn that side of things and got to work on my leadership a little bit more too. That way, you know, because I was in charge of folks now and yeah, yeah. It, was, it was really cool. It is cool. Yeah, and so and then I got to got to farm it, and it was so cool because I got to farm myself out a lot more than at that point too. Like I got to go out to Helotech and um, and Chimney was awesome. I mean, like we. Had, two big fires in our district and 
but they were rat holing us because the local <laughs> the local uh, fire resources always get stuck on IA because you know the area. So I mean, it kind of makes sense. But then yeah, they sh- don't want to lose everybody. <laughs> yeah, and, but you get short on hours, you know, and they wouldn't let us. They wouldn't let anyone farm us out to the fire, you know, and be IA ready. So we were just stuck in like tens or something. Well, all the other other visiting resources around the fires. So Hell Attack were going going to Colorado and they needed a heckum and I was a trainee, so uh he let me go with them. Cool. Yeah, and, and we're starting you know, fire fire season region one's really starting to go and then Great Northern calls and he needs a squad boss and my back to my buddy Bronson is uh the other squad boss. And the squad boss that I filled in for was going back to school and, and a big chunk of the students on the Great Northern, so they had to bring in a bunch of new folks and I'd be able to jump on as a squad boss for Great Northern. Who was the crew leader then? Uh, so, the how the org chart was then, I think, was Margarita Phillips was like the kind of the soup, and uh, man, she was awesome. Just tough. did you come to West Fork ever with them? No, I think that was a year before. Oh no, that was that was the same year, but that was before I got on. They Margarita brought Great Northern to West Fork one of those years. Yeah, during well twelve. 11, 12, and 13, those years, 2011, 12, and 13, West Fork was like crazy. We had a lot of stuff going on. I, yeah. It might have been 2012 that Margarita brought Graydon. Oh, actually, actually, I think it was 2013 during the Gold Pan Fire. Oh, it was after me. Cause it, yeah, yeah it? they came. And I'd known her for a long time. You know? Yeah. Was, it, was 2012 the Roaring Lion? No. Roaring Lion was 16. Oh, was that recent? 2016, yeah. I'm trying to remember, there's. I thought there was a decent fire in the Bitterroot in 2012 because the Great Northern was was. No, there were fires. You know, we we were pretty much absorbed in our own world out at Westford because we had our whole southern boundary, the Mustang fire oh. on the Salmon Chalice was going, and then there were some Nez fires on the further downriver. Oops, yeah. part of uh, part of Westford that uh, abuts the Salmon River. So I mean. The whole boundary burned, so we just had tons of stuff going on. Oh, geez, yeah, I wonder because like there was a pretty good plume coming from the Bitterroot, and we were at the AFD at that point. Um, it was just easier than going all up to Condon, so we just leave the buggies and all the gear there. It, they had a Connex box there for the Great Northern, and um, you know, leave all the stuff there and be fire ready. And and most folks lived in Missoula, so it just was easier. Yeah. So when we were packing up and going available that day. You, you could see the big column coming up from the Bitterroot. I guess I guess where we're going. Then we end up in Mile City, <laughs> so like, <laughs> going the opposite direction. You never know. <laughs> yeah, totally. So yeah, it's so wild, and and that was really cool because that was the first fire that I'd ever been on. Um, oh, I was telling you earlier about going up to Roundup and and uh, Flagstaff, and we, I guess, to tell folks uh, who um, aren't familiar with Great Northern, I guess Type Two IA crew kind of run like a like a training crew for a shot crew. Like yeah. it runs exactly like a shot crew, but just like with newer folks, like yep. less experience. Yep. But same exact like organization and, and routines and everything else. And buggies. So they had, I think they were brand new buggies at that point. And um so I was telling Reen earlier, like we we're really proud of them. Like, oh, that's cool. Look at these sweet buggies. But they're the little <laughs> ones, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then Flagstaff shows up with their brand new buggies, and they're huge. Big and ones. <laughs> beautiful. And they look like they're jacked up, you know? Because ours was like two wheel drive. So ours was little, little suckers, you know? Yeah. So it was like, oh, <laughs> you know? Like Flagstaff shows Gulp. up. Gulp. <laughs> yeah. And they, they all just like, you know, badass, you know, firefighters and all this little type two, you know? Like, oh, man, those guys are cooler than us. And uh, but that was a really cool fire because they were they were really cool. Like got to work with them a little bit, and then um, we were 
out somewhere, um, like I said, outside of Roundup, and this uh, this we were like scouting off this piece of line, and then my buddy Bronson and uh, Mike King was actually running the crew then. So oh, okay. I guess go back to that question. So uh, Mike King was still in the Bitterroot Hot Shots. Yep. And but he detailed as a soup of Great Northern. So Margarita was still with us, but she wasn't really in part of the crew. Um, she was there, but I think she's more hanging out for single resource stuff. Okay. So she was helping out a little bit, but not really so much involved with the crew. And then uh, Carrie, oh, I'm blanking on Carrie's last name, but she was also a jumper for a little while, and she was uh, like the assistant. Okay. Um, so Carrie and, and Mike were kind of more on the crew, more Mike, you know, and Mike King. And uh, so Mike King and, and Bronson come and snag me and like, hey, man, we're going to scout out this piece of line. Come check it out. And and we got time with this with this homeowner and make sure it's it's cool because it's on private. Right. So we go through this gate and and, and uh, I'm just like, you know, it's all that kind of deserty country out that way. Yeah. And um, come to find out, it's dinosaur country because like we turn this corner and this giant dinosaur bone just really on the ranch. Yeah, like huge. That's cool. And I was like, is that what I think it is? And they had just seen it, so they came and grabbed me. So like, yeah, check this out. But they they're being they're being like you know silent about it. They're real quiet about it. And I was like. Oh wow! And there's a bunch of these little balls underneath it, and I was like, "What is that?" And you know, like uh, Bronson like leans down, and acts like he's taking a bite out of it, you know. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's kind of funny. So like, we're you know, and so that ends up being the mystery of like all of us figuring out like what what those were, you know. And and I think someone said eggs, and we're like, oh, maybe, maybe. And then huh. I, th- I want to see Mike King took a picture and and took the picture into Bozeman, and uh, I think to the museum there, and was like. Hey, uh, what do you think this is? You know, and they're like perfectly round. He's like, I would say they're probably dinosaur eggs. And I was like, Wow, that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. So, we, and there's like a pile of them right there. So, wow. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And then, oh, I think then we ended up being going more east towards like, is it Alzheimer or Ekalaka or something like out that way? Huh. I'm trying to remember what little town, but um, on a coal seam fire. And then we get during our in briefing, they were telling us like what to look for for coal seams. And the week before. There was an engine crew that got messed up from trying to mop up a coal seam because they didn't know. So they were like, in, they get burned. They, they didn't get too burned. I think they had a couple of like minor things on their feet and their calves, but like mostly just the uh, inhalation from the coal oh, seam the fumes, fumes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're like in the coal seam, just like mopping it up, and they, yeah, it was a bad, bad deal. They could have got really hurt, so they're kind of lucky, I guess. Wow, I guess, yeah. But, but yeah, we're patrolling this piece of line, and it's pretty well dead fire at this point. But you know, they give us heads up; they already found the coal, one coal seam, and then they're like, you know, here's a procedure: like GPS it, call somebody in, get people out of the area. And so I got I got my crew uh, kind of gridding off the um, off the uh, dozer line in the green, and uh, and I just kind of noticed that the ground looks a little different in this one spot. And, but it looked a little, but I was looking farther out. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of curious, like, what that is. You know, kind of some of the details of what they were saying about a coal seam, you know, like the sloughing and the unevenness of the ground. Yeah. So I'm kind of walking through. And then one of my friends, Liz Straley from uh, Libby Troy area, she was like closest to me in the grid. And uh, like, I'm like looking around. I'm like, I'm like, hey, Liz, can you hold them up real quick? And, you know, Liz holds them up. And I was like, man, I'm like, this. It looks a little weird. I got to get looked strange. Looks strange. Getting a weird whiff every once in a while. Something I've never haven't smelled before. I'm like, man, something. I don't like this. You know, like so. I like look down and the ground's looking weird. Like it's moving a little bit. Not like a lot. It's just moving yeah. a little bit. And like, well, that's weird. You know. So I stick my plasky and I kind of stir it and it just boils. And I was like, dirt, just boiling dirt. And I was like, 
Yeah, I think that's what I think it is. You know, that's definitely a cool scene. So yeah. I get on, you know, I first I call King and I'm like, hey, King, I think I found one. And he's like, and he's tied up with someone. So he's like, hey, why don't you call whatever task force was at the time and give him a heads up on it and GPS it. And I was like, all right, yeah, on it, already GPSed it and I'll give him a shout, you know. And so they came in and um, I think we already had it flagged off, but that's all they wanted us to do was flag it off and check it out and just be, be aware of it. And they just drop a pin on the big map. Dangerous stuff. Yeah, and I was in the middle of it. So, so well, yeah, I guess I had Liz come up and be like, check this out and then we started looking around and you're like oh man this is way bigger than i thought because i could just see a little chunk of it and we started like you know opening our eyes to what it's was probably really burning in. all over underneath you all know, over just, all around us yeah all the way up to the dozer line so i was like holy cow and then where it had sloughed off you could see just a big shelf of coal i was like whoa we went to a fire in wyoming uh one year when i was on the hot shot crew and there was where the fire was there was not a coal seam but the fear was this fire was going to get into this area where there was a really, really big coal scene. Oh, no. That, that was known, you know, yeah. and was probably going to be exploited at some time, but hadn't been yet. And they really did not want that fire to get in that because it would have gone probably for miles down and down underground all over and everything. Yeah. So they, they did a lot of water, a lot of water drops and a lot of stuff to prevent that and i never did we never even saw the coal scene but you oh, know, really? we were all aware of it yeah 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 that's wild it's stuff. different it's and different it, thinking about having coal seams in your fires and stuff you know yeah man so many so much different uh just things in, in wildland fire especially in, in montana you yeah know? yeah it's really varied it really varied yeah and it terrain. is pretty deserty out in parts of eastern montana i mean really there's you know even even Halfway out, when you get out toward Browning and that country, or not Browning, out toward uh, Ashland and Lame Deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's cactus and stuff. Yeah, totally. We're just a little north of that, I think. And I want to see it's like Alzheimer's or Ecolac or something. I can't remember. It's stuff that us Western Montana folks never even think about, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And that was, and you probably had this before, but that was like this the season or the year of uh, chicken fried steak. But <laughs> yeah. it was always like the first one. I was like, "Oh, this is the best chicken breast steak I've ever had in my life." And then after like five days, I'm like, "I don't want to ever see a chicken breast steak again." <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, but it's always like some, coming from some local spot. It was always just amazing, you know. And you've been working your butt off all day, so a nice salty chicken yeah. breast steak always tastes amazing. That's cool that you got to be involved with Great Northern because, like I told you, that I really enjoyed working with them and stuff yeah it was awesome and they had, they had a little turnover in leadership not well a few times i think since i've been there and man one of the times i was like you know i i had just got my ic4 signed off and i was like man this would be a great opportunity is that music are you hearing that oh it's you i was like oh man i'm hearing some music or something i'm like, shutting it off don't say so do you have to take that that oh no it's fine i just didn't know if you had emergency or anything uh this so like did you just do Great Northern that one year? Once no, so yeah, I went back in 2014 and, and crewed okay. Boston, and uh, Carrie was still there, and then uh, Adon, Adrian Hahn, I think is his full name. He was a hell in a shop for a little bit, and he was the assistant. Um, but Carrie, I think, was getting ready to go. She'd help teach uh, in Africa, you know, like a fire, like kind of like a guard school, I think. Huh. And so she was getting ready to do that, I want to say. So they were missing some overhead, and, and they didn't have quals to operate even as a Type 2 IA crew. So they brought me in to work on my crew boss and my IC4. And okay. That was that was one of the better experiences I've had as a fire, uh, as in a leadership position on fire, because I had a 20-person crew. We ended up in R5. Hadn't spent a lot of time in R5. I'm trying to think 
ever. And then I got a 20 person crew of young folks and, uh, we ended up going to, I think right to six rivers, you know, in the mad river ranger district, I want to say. Huh. And, uh, that was pretty cool, but you got the inbriefing of like, Hey, there's a lot of groves around here. So here's the way you gotta handle this. If you get on a fire, you know, like make sure you're walking in a straight line and, if you run into something, go back the exact way you came and call somebody and, you know, like don't, don't, you know, cause any problems here because there, there's some people out here that don't like, you know, federals. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Any feds around. So I'm like, okay. And, uh, and they said a lot of times they don't know the difference. You see the badge in the door. So I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's great. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, we am getting a, a, a human cause start in the area, and it's man, such a drought. And everyone's calling it the six puddles because there's like no water left because it's such a bad drought. Yeah. So I end up, and so I end up taking it. Like the one of the guys I got to be friends with was the uh, engine foreman or engine captain now, I think. Really cool guy. And he's like, and you know, when we came in, he's like, uh, you know, what are you working on? What are you got going on? I'm like, oh, I'm still trying to get my C4 signed off. I had a few fires. I'm like, and I'm working my crew boss right now. So that pops. There's a bunch of structures. We lost like a shed, but being our five is super easy fire. Like it, they call the run cards. The world shows up. We end up being like second ones in. That guy initially takes it, hands it to me, and then I mean it gets a little complicated from there because it, it's all getting ran through one repeater to yeah. um, Redding, right? And then after the after the action slows down, then they want you to switch repeaters. So they're like, hey, you know, it's time to switch over. And, so then I had to fish a little bit for that repeater, you know, because being unfamiliar. And, yeah. And then, so that was kind of cool. And uh, so we got to hang out, put that thing out. And then even the locals were super fun because they're like, man, it's a great fire to get signed off on. You know, saying <laughs> like loud enough in front of Adon. And I was like, yeah, I hope so, you know. Yeah. So that was, that was just a great experience there, you know. So what was one of the things, uh, you know, being kind of in charge of a 20-person crew or overhead on a 20-person crew as a, pretty new experience i mean and you were doing that all the time then with those folks what were what was the most difficult do you think um the most difficult thing for me was 20 person crew is the downtime because there's a lot of that especially like on every fire assignment i don't think there's any fire assignment i've ever been on there wasn't some downtime right just how it is you know and yeah um that is the hardest thing for me to do is keep the crew busy and safe (laughs) you know because they you know they start doing just dumb things when they're you know idle hands and the problem is a lot of times when you have the downtime they don't really have a lot of stuff for you to do mm-hmm. so everybody's just kind of hold and know, hover hold and hover and maybe not really wanting to hold and hover yeah <laughs> and especially in the year everyone's getting kind of restless into the season yeah one thing that was kind of entertaining is there's this this uh very flamboyant looking gentleman who was driving a purple jeep who would come by the weaverville we end up getting move over to weaverville and so I go get my briefing, and then I come back and, and brief the crew. And as I'm briefing the crew, we're, like, on their hose drying rack, you know, big one, and I got everybody's, like, sitting out, and I got the map out, and we're talking shop a little bit. And like clockwork, this flamboyant gentleman would come down this really bright-colored, like, purplish-pink Jeep blaring, uh, God, I can't remember the song right now, but uh, blaring this, like, goofy song every morning. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was, like, some 90s R- R&B song that was, like, really <laughs> popular. Like, everybody knew it. And then every morning, same song, every morning, same time. And so it would just be stuck in the crew's head for the rest of the day, you know? Yeah. So it was just hilarious. He'd give us a big wave. You know, he's really friendly, but he was blaring it. It was so loud. You could hear it coming. So it was usually right in the, like, the meat, pota- meat and potatoes of my briefing. I'm right. Like, 
<laughs> stop and like wait for him to go by but i always wave because i thought it was funny too yeah but yeah just that downtime though was like the hardest for me to manage you know as a leader yeah because when, when we're in it like um actually bronson's little brother dustin was on that crew with me and and he even said it like at some point or maybe he told bronson i can't remember but he's like he's like man operationally like man luke's what you know right up there with one of the best that i've experienced you know but then like once the operate you know once the action's gone i'm having a hard time you know like yeah. Doing that, those leadership things. And I think that's what really separates the great leaders who can do both, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because we've all been around him. I think, I think Justin Abbey's a really good one that he can, he's great all the time. Like, downtime, he's figuring out something to do, and he's probably going to be fun, and it's going to keep you entertained and yep. and safe, you know? Yep. And then when, when shit's hitting the fan, Justin's got you, you know? He's, he's, he's squared away. He's nails, you know? Yeah. You're going to be safe, and you guys are going to be kicking ass, and it's all good, you know? He's a good role model for sure. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's the man. Yep. Yeah, him, him and Danny. That's cool. Yeah, so that was the hardest part, but that was such a cool assignment. Like, there were so many like local like Montana kids that were on that um, crew, and on the weekends, probably because of all the pot plantations, they wouldn't let us uh, camp out. So yeah. we had a hotel up, and one night, like, we ended up all all the way out in Arcata. I want to say is where it was at. Uh, past like Fortuna, Fortuna Dispatch was the one that we were going through for a minute. And, um, so Ar- Arcadia, 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 whatever the name is that one. Have you been up there? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Yeah. It's like we're on the coast. Um, but so, uh, it was really cool. So we got, we got through like this little tiny, like Redwood Grove. So we stopped there and kind of checked that out on the way out. Well, I guess that's what happened was we got, we got dispatched, run card hit. And we were, like, the last one on the run card. So, like, I kind of already knew, and Adon already kind of knew we were going to get turned around. But, you know, the the crew was pretty pumped. So we're heading out, and that's where we go through this Redwood Grove. And we get turned around right about that point. So we just, like, pull over. And, and then we we got to start making phone calls anyways for hotels. And so yeah. we do that. And Arcadia is the closest one. So we boogie out that way. And, and we're not too far out, but the sun's starting to go down. We're trying to get to the ocean before and surprise the kids because – they the kids you know young adults uh because they like most of them haven't seen the ocean yeah so like we're like me and Aidan are like man let's surprise them and let's go straight to the beach and that's what we did we went straight to the beach you know yeah soup truck two buggies and a saw rig and and no one's there and there's big dunes and like it was amazing it's cool yeah yeah just boots and like nomex flying and people just like running out in their underwear to dive in the ocean because they'd never seen one before it's like man and I was sitting there watching. I was like, oh, I got to jump in. So I ran in there, too, with him. I was like, oh, this is cool. When are you going to do this, you know, again? Yeah. It was cold. Really it's cold. always interesting when you go to places like that. I know when when we went to, uh, well, we went to San Bernardino first, but we ended up in Malibu in 93 for a big fire there. Malibu. And there were, there were folks on, we, there were a bunch of the Hotshot Crew folks that had gone back to school already. So... We still went as a type one crew because we took a bunch of overhead folks, Bill Perhop and Jim Leverton, folks that I grew up with in the fire world, you know, who were in leadership positions, but they went with us. But there were some new folks, you know, that we took with us too. And some of them had, they'd never been to Southern California. And like you said, they'd never seen the ocean. We were cutting across from inland to the coast and, 
right at the edge of Hollywood and they Boom. saw the Hollywood sign, you know, and then everybody's seen it on TV, but you know, yeah. they're like, look, there's the Hollywood sign, you know, and the Columbia record building was famous cause it looks like a big giant 45 RPM spindle. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. And, and that it was designed, I guess, to look that way because it was Columbia, you know, the big deal. Yeah. Yeah, big Columbia Records. Yeah. Like, look at that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's always fun seeing people who, you know, who've never been to these places before, their reactions to it and all. Yeah, man, it, it just gives cool. you energy. And that's that's part of the reason why I was telling you earlier about wanting to take over the crew. It's just like those young fire folks are so excited about everything. And everything's cool. And, and it gets you excited, too. And you remember, like, man, yeah, that's the reason why I started doing this was, like, that you know because i thought it was cool too and i still think it's cool most it of is it, you cool know? yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but the problem is you know the the it's it's similar to the hot shot life where you're just gone all the time and yeah by the time that i had the quals and the opening was there i was you know like getting pretty beat up and and ready to be because i was jumping at the time so i was ready to be done you know gotcha traveling at least that much so then after great northern yeah after great northern then so working for Carrie and Margarita, you know, who are still current jumpers, yep. you know, like, um, I was like, you to talk, to ask them questions yeah, and stuff, picking their brain. And we yep. got to work with some jumpers out, out in the East and, and like, and I already wanted to, but like I, being in, in the B-Bar-D, there's no hotshot crew. There's right. no, there's no type one at all. Nothing. You know, right. there's, there's not right. a repel crew. There's not uh jumpers, nothing, you know? So, um, this is the first time getting to hang out with some some type one folks, Mike King being bitter at Hotshot, mm-hmm. you know, and then the two jumpers, so picking their brain, kind of fi- sussing some things out. And at this point, um, Bronson's kind of asking him some questions too, uh, Bronson Kimberling, and he, but he was actually an AD. He'd take the season off because he was just moving on, going to do something else with his life at this point. And uh, and I'm reading the book called No Easy Day, which is a Navy SEAL book, and it just would look like the best book at Walmart when we're when we're on our travels. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll check this out. But yeah, it, they talked, uh, you know, pretty in depth about the rookie training and more of the mindset, not so much like what they're doing, but like how how would they get through something difficult? And it started getting my interest peaked a little bit more about going through a very difficult training and yeah, you know how how I do and tips of how to survive and uh, you know, the biggest one I took is how to eat an elephant. You know, yeah. And so I kept repeating that when I was like going through as part of my mantra, a few of my mantras that I used, but. Um, so yeah, I got, you know, interest then, and then, uh, kind of figure out the process and kind of what, you know, they, they're looking for and, and, um, the jumpers, you the mean. jumpers. Yeah. yeah. And then actually at the end of that great Northern season, I was still a student at, but at this point I'm finishing up in Dillon, my track scholarships over, which was a tuition waiver. Um, so I went to cheaper school in Dillon at UM Western and then being the block schedule, I could still work, um, pretty late in the season. Yeah. And so um, season was pretty much over at this point, but I I had to pull the plug a couple of days early than the rest of the crew. So I ended up getting a helicopter ride out with all jumpers, and uh, so I I get squished in a in a crew rig, uh, going back to Missoula, all jumpers and me, you know, and uh, mostly just listening the whole time. But got to talk to him a little bit about jumping, and then um, stories and stuff. Yeah, and then we pull up to the jump base in Missoula there at the AFD, and I help unload all our gear and, and put it in the jump base. First time I'd ever been in there, I was like, man. This could be me next year, you know. And I think that's uh, Drew Patterson was there, and I think he might have said something about that. It was like, yeah, that'd be cool. 
So like then I you know I got the itch real bad. I'm like man, yeah, that's probably. So then be. you were, you applied then. Yep, over, over applied the everywhere. Season. Yeah, um, well everywhere except for the BLM that year because I didn't I didn't know how the BLM worked. You know, uh-huh. like so I, I ended up missing their uh, uh, the window to apply to the BLM to Alaska to Fairbanks and in, in Boise. Yeah. So threw it at all the jump bases. Had no idea what was good and what was bad. Just knew I want to jump. Was mostly want to go to Missoula because. Um, uh, just Missoula was the original jumpers I had known. The first jumpers I ever met were Missoula jumpers. Right. And then, uh, you know, like Man Gulch was one of the first hikes that I can remember as a kid going off with my dad, like really young. And it was really hot. And we, we hiked into Man Gulch. Yeah. And um, at that time, they didn't upkeep Man Gulch as well. So, like, the crosses, the markers were were under some pretty heavy vegetation. So, huh. My dad kind of had a hard time finding it, and then you know found one of the markers that was showing a little more, and so we checked it out. And, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I was really young; like I can't even remember. I, like it's more of a hazy memory, you know. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I guess that kind of put my the bug in my brain for smoke jumping, and and then being there with them, and then shotgunning my app out, calling everybody, going around shaking hands. Um, I drove down to McCall. Uh, Grangeville wasn't taking interviews anymore, uh, so I was just a little behind the curve on that. Um, and I went to West Yellowstone and Missoula a couple times to talk to them. Yeah. And uh, I remember one time I was, I was there in Parker. Uh, it was one of my buddies was was there, and he's he's like listing off the stats of people, and I must not have looked like I I could cut the mustard. <laughs> so if, if I, he's like, man, I got people who can do twenty some pull ups, you know, a hundred push ups, and run the mile and a half in under nine minutes. And I was like, I'll do that all right now. And I'm in cowboy boots and like Levi's and in a flannel. And I was like, I'll do that right now, man. Like, and I would have, you know, because I was in good shape and I was determined. Yeah. You know, like I was, yeah, I, I could do like 30 pull-ups at that point. I could do way over a hundred pushups and I could, the mile and a half would have been brutal, but I would have, I would have done it. it. Yeah. yeah. I, would have, I would have done it in cowboy boots just to prove it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so he didn't, he who didn't was this you it. were talking to? Uh, Parker, I'm trying to remember his full name, but he was on the CMT show back in the day. Huh? Um, huh? Jeez, man, I'm blanking. That's, uh, a, that's but, okay. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. Sleeve tattoos. And, um, I think he worked in Peaberg. Uh, so a few of the, few of the guys I work with out of Whitehall, some of my friends had worked with him before and, um, uh, you know, got along with him great, and, like, we're kind of cheering him on in the CMT show, you know, the country, it was weird, country music television did the smoke driver thing, Fall in Missoula. Like, oh, yeah. Joy's husband was on that, too, Ty. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. Huh. And, um, yeah, so, like, uh, he, you know, then he probably saw how serious I was, and I was like, all right, man, okay. And then he had been, like, really cool, like, he, like, ever since then, man, like, we'd, you know, been great, and so he was just kind of more teasing me and just feeling me out, I think, and, yeah. um, and then after yeah after he saw like how serious it was and he was like real supportive like all right man well you're a little late to the game and which I was and uh, he's like here's here's what you do you know and here's a good recipe you know for next year to to be a little bit better of an applicant you know like start a little earlier you know try to get a shocker this year you know usually it's like three seasons before you can get on and which I already knew so I was like yeah that's what that's what I was planning on yeah but, yeah um so I was starting to make the phone call to all the shot crews. Uh, farm, I want to say, had just taken over Flathead. Yep. Uh, Jay still had Bitterroot. Yep. Um, man, Fred was Helena. He's still there, I think. And uh, I'm not sure who was running Lewis and Clark, but I was working my way through to to call everybody. And Lewis and Clark was kind of low on my list because uh, I'd spent a lot of time in Great Falls already with you know my grandma living there and stuff. Right. So, like, right. Uh, I want to see some new country. And I heard a lot of good things about Jay and Farm and Fred. So like those were kind of my three. And then. Uh, 
and then I was going to start working in Region 3, too, you know, so I've worked with Flagstaff before, so I, wanted, I was going to call them and, and a few other places down there. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, I ended up, uh, the only place that actually called me was NCSB, so North Cascade Smoke Tour Base. Huh. Uh, and, like, even when they called me, I was like, like, like it. I don't know if I said it out loud but in my head. I was like, are you sure? Like, you want me? Like, I don't have any hot shot experience at this point. I have nothing. You know, I'm just a district guy. Just barely enough time in grade to be, you know, a rookie because you got to be a GS5, you know. And they like to have, they like you to have your IC5 and your firefighter type 1 or squad boss in, in like, 290 or something. Right. So uh, just had just barely enough quals to do it, you know. So, uh yeah, I get the call from them, and then I call them back a while later after I'm kind of seeing that no one else is interested. And well, and then the, I forgot the, to add this part. There was a uh, a hiring freeze. Do you remember? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember how long it lasted, but I think it lasted a few years. So, like, yeah, the, all the folks who'd want to jump out of West, I think every one of them still wanted to jump pretty much besides, like, a couple. And then they had backfilled those already with um, some of my buddies who were, you know, really good, really good folks. So, um so they were all they were already stacked up, and same with all, all majority of the region ones, you know, like Grangeville and, and Missoula, and and then the reason why NCSB was still available because they weren't sure they were going to have a class because they didn't have the funding. Right. So um, last minute, there they had uh, room for four, and um, I can't remember what happened, but like they were in the air between me and like a few other people. The other ones didn't seem that interested, and then I showed up. <laughs> so that's how I ended up kind of edging them and out. And you were definitely interested. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I had, like, a pretty form-fitting T-shirt. And uh, and at this point, I've interviewed quite a few times, so, like, I, I'm pretty well dialed in the interview. And, and yeah. um, if any folks are listening, like, definitely want to go through a few because my first one was bad. You know, I like, interviewed with Missoula first. Should have interviewed with them last because that's where I wanted to be, you know. And But I was, I was happy to go anywhere at this point, though, you know, like – and NCSB ended up being kind of a blessing because it's so cool. It's an old school base. Not too many people get jumps out of there because they don't and have a lot of fire. Where, where is it? Oh, uh, North Cascade Smoke Trooper Base in Winthrop, Washington. Yeah, Winthrop. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of between the two towns of Winthrop and Twisp. Gotcha. Yeah, and then there's another little cool area. Mazama isn't too far away. The Mazama store is awesome. But, yeah, just a you know, bunch of really, really cool folks I got to meet, you know, and hadn't spent much time in R6, so... Got to fight some fire in R6 and go to a lot of cool places. And, I mean, I that was I jumped a, a lot of fire that year. I went and jumped the, the basin, the Great Basin, out of Pocatello. And I think I got to jump out of, out of Boise. Uh, not the Boise Forest. I wanted to because uh, I, I guess it's pretty rare. Maybe not anymore, but it used to be. And then got to jump out of McCall. Uh, got to jump out of Redding. Got to jump out of NCSB. So, like, I was. So was was the training like you thought it would be? Yeah, it's pretty. It's right there. The only thing I I didn't uh, really plan for was the heat. So that almost got me the first day because yeah. it was uh, unseasonably hot. Even the trainers, um, I think, had to reevaluate us the first day and kind of, you know, maybe scale some things back a little bit because it was just so hot. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You're in your jumpsuit a big, good portion of the day, and those don't breathe at all. No, and there's no wind. Sweat. Yeah, <laughs> and it was in like the mid 90s, I think, at one of those days, and. I remember looking at one of the one of uh, the rookie candidates that he didn't he didn't make her, but he, he was a good guy. And I remember like looking at him at the top of the tower. I just climbed stairs, and he's about to get hooked up to do a practice jump out the door. And he's looking in my direction, and the trainer well the trainer made him look at at the, at the trainer himself. 
because uh, his face is like cherry red, like bright red tomato. And I could see it through his mask, you know, like a ways away. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I look like that. Yeah. You know, that's not good. But Phil was pretty tough. He kept yeah. cruising. But there's a spigot at the bottom of this tower. So, like, almost every time or every other time, I would just drench myself. And it was really cold and just kept my body temperature down and just yeah. chug water. Because the first day I wasn't, I got behind the curve and it almost didn't make it the first day. I almost washed day one. So, yeah, it's tough stuff, man. Especially yeah. when it's hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always kind of had a little issue with cramping in the heat. Like, it, ever since like that New Mexico roll. And yeah. So, like, yeah. my hands were curled in and my feet were curled in. So, I had a hard time getting my boots off. And the last thing in the day, we did this hill run, and so I had to get my PT clothes. I had to get my, like, Nomex and boots off and get on my PT clothes. I had a hard time getting the, my PT shoes Your on. Your hands didn't want to function right. Yeah, my hands didn't want to tie, and my feet were curled up, too. So I like, know I what you're talking about. That's weird That how how your body gets affected by yeah. heat and the lack of yeah, probably enough water and, yeah, and electrolytes. Know, electrolytes and yeah. all that stuff. It's all, yeah, crazy. Sweat all the salt. Not fun. Not fun, yeah. <laughs> Not fun. I could feel the kind of tunnel closing a little bit, but also I was like, I'm not giving up. I'm going to die here. So um, they ended up having to rein me in at the end of the end of the day and, and uh, kind of made me walk the last little bit. And that kind of they made me walk the last little bit. So like, if you if you go tits up and we have to get you, they didn't say tits up, but if you go down, you will, uh, then we'll have to put you in an ambulance to take you to the hospital and there's no way you're going to complete rookie training. Yeah. If you just like walk. And let us look at you in the EMT and, and uh, maybe see how you're doing and, and review your day. And, you know, there's a chance that you can come back tomorrow. Yeah. So they talked me into, into, like, chilling out for that last, like, it, it wasn't even very long. I just ended up having to walk the last little bit down the hill. and uh, So, I, but I'm thinking I'm done, you know. I'm, they make me go to my dorm room by myself. Yeah. Or no, no, they brought the EMTs with me. And then they gave me this, like, rough electrolyte mix called Ceralite with the C and uh, it's like a rice thing oh it tasted horrible but I I knew I needed it so I chugged a ton of that Pedialyte and, and they through experience I mean they know the right stuff to give you too you yeah. know they've probably done a lot of experimenting over the years yeah coming that, up with things that work for most in quotes people yeah that Ceralite was something else but like you said it worked though they knew it you know and um, so that whole night I got like zero sleep because I was just hammering food and mostly fluids and trying to get my water to electrolyte ratio and in balance. Yep. And then, so I had to pee like nonstop all night. So I got like no sleep. And, uh, so day two, I'm coming in, you know, a little bit, almost like an electrolyte hangover, you know? So I could feel like a little sluggish, but I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be denied. I was, I was, I was going to be a smoke jumper. So like, you're going to have to totally go down before you're going to give up. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. I, yeah, I, re- I read this quote before I started. It was like, uh, a man or a human can only be beaten two ways. Either he quits or he dies. And I'm like, well, I'm not quitting. So, <laughs> you know, that was, that was my mindset. And yeah, it, you got me through, you know, like I, 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 uh, you know, I gave it, gave it hell, but I also found like a survival gear too. Like, um, my first day, I made the mistake of trying to win rookie training. I was trying to be the best rookie to ever rookie. Mm. So I went out hard. Like, I was, I didn't, I was. Maybe too hard. Yeah, I went out too hard. Yeah, because yeah, I was trying to win everything. Like, I was, like, competing with my rookie bros instead gotcha. of working with them. Gotcha. And, yeah, learn that lesson hard. And uh, so uh, out of four people, only two of us made it. And um, my one buddy, God, I'm his name right now, Johansson. Uh uh, my buddy Johansson, me and him were the only two that made it out of the four folks, and Johansson helped me out a ton. So like he, uh, he knew some jumpers, and 
talk to some folks. He's a little older than I am, so he had some good wisdom and that he shared with me and, and really helped me out about like it's not about winning it, man, it's about surviving it. And he's like, So, you know, to keep that in mind. You know, yeah. he's, he's really nice about it. Justin Johansson. Yeah. Yeah. So he he helped me out a lot. It was it was great having You don't gotta win everything, you just gotta you gotta do it and and pass it yeah yeah, yeah totally and i kind of knew I, I did know that going in because like bronson uh he was in the military so he'd he'd done a ton of quite a bit more training than i had and yeah he's like and then my other friend had jumped on the call he's like man if you don't stop and you don't quit they can't really get rid of you so you know like um just remember that so he's what he's kind of saying is like find that survival gear like where you're pushing it but you're not gonna burn yourself out because right you don't know how far you're gonna be running you don't know how far you're gonna be hiking you don't know yeah. how long you'd be carrying the heavy weight like we carried we carried a lot of weight during that rookie training and oh man <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was pretty wild it's like if one of us struggled with something the cadre it was like blood in the water for sharks they're like oh Oh, that looks uncomfortable. Let's do that more. You know? It yeah. Was, it was pretty fun that way. Like, man. So, I'm Walt not- Smith used to talk about that. You know, he was our AFMO down at Sula and he was, he'd been a career jumper. Actually, he left Sula and went back to jumping for a while, you oh, know? Yeah. But yeah, he, he was the head trainer. And Fritzen got his job, well, at, a while after Walt left. But, you know, Mike used to always talk about, man, what a, what a heavy, heavy load knowing that i have walt smith's job you know but walt was that way he'd push people hard but you know he knew just the right point to to quit pushing because they were going to do it yeah there's no point in killing them you know yeah yeah (laughs) totally yeah i talked to after afterwards i talked to like the cadre there and then at at missoula too because missoula you know she has a pretty big class and um they got down to to pretty pretty good science it seems like in missoula there and yeah um yeah kind of like you said like you part of it you know part of the method of the madness is that you want to make sure folks want it you don't want to just like have some people who kind of want it and they're kind of dangerous because they're not you know like putting a, a full effort and not you know get the right. most of the training and, and they can tell man they mm-hmm. they you know especially those folks that have been jumping for a long time that are part of that training cadre yeah they know they can tell just by watching you guys because they've seen it you know yep. they can tell when people are dogging it or you know what i mean yep you yeah know, exactly they know. They yeah know. yeah like reserving a little too much in and the they'll tank either and... push you harder if they think you're dogging it or they'll just encourage you you know to keep it up yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. totally and and yeah and they're and they're trying to bring team team players and like they can tell if you're an individual yep and then that's not a good place to be either because they don't you you don't want that in any aspect of fire you know and it right the individual person's not a good team player and fire's all about teams yeah you know? yeah so it's gonna yeah. work your train quite a bit harder if you're in that attitude you know so you made it so i made it yeah and it, so and, your first fire jump was where? Do you remember? Yeah, first fire jump was NCSB. So, yeah. Yeah, it was really cool because, uh, uh, man, I, I'd heard some, like, kind of horror stories about one rookie class just having a a, a slow year and not getting any, any jumps out yeah. of NCSB. It does happen from time to time. Yeah, so I was like, oh, man, because you can't, you can't get any of the gear, so you don't get any, any swag from, uh, you know, unless you earn it to, from a jump. So you can't even represent your uh, rookie class. So some of those guys got jumps out of Redmond, so they're able to wear Redmond stuff, but they couldn't even wear their own home base gear. So, like, that was in the back of my head. I was like, oh, man, I need to jump. 
And then, so the first, so this is kind of a funny story. Alaska is going off pretty good in 13. So everybody gets stuck to Alaska besides like two of the cadre. Cause there's only two of us. So only two cadre really even need to be there. The base manager, I want to say, but even our damn plane, the Casa got sucked up to Canada or to Alaska. So we don't have a plane for like a day or two, which yes. is a nightmare because we're in jump mode. And then you go back to PT mode, you know, cause yeah. you know, like, so <laughs> we end up, it ended up being a little rough on us for a day or so, but right. Grangeville luckily had their, has their own plane or had, I think they still do, um, uh, a twin otter. So, which is good because we were jumping out of a Casa. So we got the experience of the twin otter, um, which is nice. You get that experience out of rookie training. So yeah, you, you have two different planes they have experience with. So, and they're a little different, small door versus large door. And, uh, so we get the twin otter for the weekend, but we only get it for like three days is all they'll let us have it for. And we're about halfway through our jumps, I think. So we got to hammer through jumps. We have like you know, three in a row of three day jumps. And, uh, so it seems easy, you know, you're jumping on the plane and you know, pack up, you know, go back to the jump base, grab a new shoot, you know, do an AR and then go again. But it wears you out. Oh, that man, after three jumps in a day, holy cow. Yeah. You're whooped. So doing that three days in a row, I think is what we ended up doing and, and, uh, pretty wore out. And so that was kind of fun. And, and, um, yeah, then, you know, it was pretty much over at that point. We had a few other things before we were actually, like, you know, officially rookies. Because you're a rookie candidate until you make it through rookie training. Right. And then we're officially rookies. Right. But then you're not a jumper until you get a jump. So we're not even, we're just rookies. So then the plane's gone, right? And Grangeville takes their plane back, and we get a, a boost request for Redmond, Oregon, which isn't that far. So we have this jelly bean grant, a green van, you know? <laughs> And we all jumped my first boost instead of usually getting a plane and flying somewhere, getting picked up by a plane. We're uh, we're in a van driving <laughs> to, driving to Redmond. Yeah. So we're just right behind a uh, a light a big lightning bus that went through, and they jumped out. We get there, everything's done. You know, we we got a couple slow days there, and no no fires jump right off the bat. No fires at all. Yeah, yeah. pretty pretty slow. Not very many folks from Redmond actually there because they're all out fighting fire. But the one, a few folks that were there that met us at the door, uh, were like, "Our rookies are here," because they never rookie, they never rookie class. We're the only two rookies in all of Region Six. So they're like, "You're rookies." They're like, "Yeah, come on in. We've been waiting for you." It's yeah, like, oh, boy, no. we have <laughs> some fun for you. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got to learn how to use a broom at NCSB and at oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, but but they were fun. It was, it was a good time and a, a cool spot there in Redmond. And um, so bust, we get no fires. And then uh, a couple of days of just like hanging out, and then the base starts filling back up. People are coming off fires and, and days off and coming back in. So we're getting heavy. They don't need us anymore. Uh, and how jumpers use it is like once on the road, stay on the road. Like boosters boost is the nice thing to say. So like a boost request comes from Redmond. If you already have boosters, you send those boosters out. They keep rolling. So yeah. that's what happens. We we keep rolling, but we're still in the in the van, in the, in the, in the <laughs> green van. So we take a, a uh, another boost to Redding. California from Redmond, Oregon, and you had all your stuff, all your jump stuff all the crammed jump in the van, crammed in, <laughs> in the stupid van. Yeah, and then uh, so we go there, and it is hot. Oh my god, is it hot? At this point, Redmond or Redding, California. Oh, it gets hotter than hell there. Hotter than hell. <laughs> they don't. Their facility is not what it is now. Like now, it's nice. They have like an indoor gym. They. I don't. I don't think they make the boosters like suit up uh, in the big wind tunnel warehouse. That's blowing a 110 air on you and uh but then that that was the case their pseudo racks were out in the like on the elements pretty much i mean they're in the warehouse but the warehouse is wide open the the bay door is 
to try to help cool. Yeah, it doesn't work. And then the the uh, like weights and fitness equipment is just on a slab <laughs> across the street, like across the little. I remember street. we went to we uh, that first roll on the hot, with the hotshot crew that I went on in '84. We went to Nevada to a fire, and then they flew us to to Redding because there were a bunch of fires going oh, on really? in the area. Yeah, and we hung out at the jump base. Actually, Walt Smith was down there with the Missoula jumpers. They came down to boost. Oh, that's cool. So, but I remember they're in '84. Their quarters were. It was pretty primitive, actually, from what I remember. Probably the same thing when I got there in yeah. 2013. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty primitive. <laughs> yeah, all the weight equipment, you know, the metal stuff like the plates and the and the and the barbells and stuff all had a little rust on it for the weather. And they called it the yard, like prison yard. So like out there getting fitness in the yard. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> and then, but yeah, you're right. It's Reading is so hot. It's at, just so at first miserable. thing in the morning, hot. Like I'd go for a run. Like as soon as they let us free for PT. I go for a run, and you run around the airstrip, so like we're you know public can't go, so you you go right. buzzing out there, and so I got about as far as I could stand it before it got too ridiculously hot. And the local Reading jumpers are no problem; they're used to they roll, and and so I cruise back, and then I go you know hit the little the yard you know for just a little bit of weight session, then get in and you know towel off and start the day. You yeah, know? yeah, but crazy that, that but the. What happened when I found out Redding, because I knew, you know, I knew Poison Oak was a, was an oil, right, and it's, it gets on everything. But yep. I didn't know how bad it was. And, I mean, it's it covers everything, like, literally. Like the, oh, it's awful. The entire jump base pretty much is covered in that oil. It's so fine, you don't notice it. But one of my friends was checking shoots, and I think he knew he was allergic, but I don't know if he knew he was this bad, but he ended up having to go to the hospital. And all he was doing was checking shoots. It was on the shoots. On the shoots, yeah. Yeah, from yeah. oh, it gets on everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bad deal. Poor I guy. was one of the lucky ones that never was affected by it, you know, and the people that were doing the exactly same thing I was would just look like they had leprosy sometimes, you know. Yeah, same here. Yeah, All like I, blister, I got lucky. Horrible blisters and everything like that. So, you know, when there was stuff to be mopped up underneath Poison Oak, you know who uh, who got to do it was got, got the vol- one that so far had never been affected by it. Volunteered. Luckily, I never was affected by it, but me too. I heard that sometimes it can come back on you, but like Sam, I never had any. I've been all in, rolled all in it, and never, never yeah. any issues. All those trips to that country, you know, over the years, you know, people had all kinds of folks on the crew would always get it and everything. And sometimes, you know, if they didn't, if they didn't, we tell them to, but people didn't. They would just put away the same line gear for the next year. And they'd come back and get their gear out, and they'd get it because the oil was still on on the you know, the line gear. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, but I told you to wash it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bronson's little brother got it pretty bad out in eastern Montana. It must have been ivy. I don't know, maybe it's oak out there. I don't know. Doesn't matter. It's yeah, all evil. All, all the poison. Yeah, it's just that poison. And um, so like, like his brother. So the fellow guy was Dustin. Bronson's little brother and so they'd like hosing him down with all the tech new and all the stuff that's supposed to kill it and then you know got a new Nomex clothes new sleep bag and it helped but uh it still seemed like it was kind of lingering like it probably was on something else but stuff's just, miserable I just felt so bad for folks that had get it so bad you know and, yeah oh, just awful it is oh, it's just awful man terrible yeah so then, <laughs> yeah so that was my well, my rookie. So that, yeah, that was my rookie season. And so you did quite a few fires that season, then. Yeah, quite a bit, quite a few fires. So I go to Reading. Uh, so 
plane's not there in NCSB, so we get shipped to Redmond, and then nothing. Then we go to Reading, and nothing. But then a boost request comes in for McCall. So then we go to McCall, and that was super cool because then the first night, I want to say Bronson's on a fire. But I guess to, to kind of circle this around, the reason why I keep mentioning Bronson is because he's the one who got me back into fire because he got into fire, I think, in 2006. And then um, when they finally did a higher event and there's more positions open, he's like, man, you should get you should get into fire. This is a really fun job. I think it's right up your alley. So that's how yeah. I got in 2008 was because of Bronson. And and then my friends in Whitehall like were reaching out to you, like not long after, right? So I you know went got in the Whitehall crew, and then we we're on the he's the one who got me in the Great Northern in 2012 because uh, we we're they were down a squad boss, so he brought me on. Yep. And then so we both started like talking about Ricky Trang, and then my little brother who was running cross country and track for uh, Pocatello for ISU, um, wrote us up this awesome workout plan, especially like mileage and, and uh, mile repeats and all these things and these oh, timelines cool. yeah like so you, like a professional yeah uh cardio workout you know like but like a long-term one so me and him are going through the same workout regiment and all that and then he starts in mccall a week before i start in uh ncsb huh and uh it was kind of horrible that way though because he got you know that brutal first like hell week yeah and i've known him most of my life like almost my entire life right and so Talk to him when he's overseas, you know, talk to him you know, when he could talk to him, like at basic or any training he was at. Right. And uh, I'd never heard him sound so rough in my entire life than after that first week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I talked to him Friday night, and I'm starting on Monday, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, boy. He's like, Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, like, I didn't need that, you know, but I'm pretty confident, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I worked my buns off. I knew the, the determination I had already built up, the resolve. So, like... I, I knew I had a really good resolve, so I wasn't I wasn't too too worried about it. But also, like one of the toughest guys I know is sounding like he just got hit by a truck, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh man, it's wild. Yeah. So I go to McCall, and he was super smart. He was working the oil field, so he bought this. I think it was like a twenty six foot McGregor sailboat. Huh. And uh, that's when we tried to sail the Bahamas on, but that's a story for a different day. Huh. But because uh, he knew he was going to be McCall and knew there was a lake. The lake, yeah. yeah. And so he ran the slip, didn't tell anybody. So none of the jumpers, nobody knew. You know, they give you a room in the in the dorms in uh, like a cabin, I think. And then, you know, that's where they expect you to be. And then, you know, some people kind of mess you on the weekends. But they could never find him because he had his boat slip and his boat they didn't tell anyone about. And it's behind like a gate. So there's no way to find out unless it just happened to So he'd him. go out on the lake. So he'd go on the lake and like enjoy himself and like get a, get a break from all that. You That's know? cool. Yeah, it's really smart. Thinking. That lake is cool. Oh, it's so awesome. Is that Payette Lake? I want to say it's Payette Lake, yeah. I think so. And so when I show up to McCall, he's on a fire, but somehow he figures out that, that I'm there. Maybe because I think he talked to my brother. And my brother had planned a trip down there, oblivious to me, and my brother rode his motorcycle from Lolo all the way down to McCall. Huh. Yeah, yeah on this uh, badass victory bike that he had, uh, you know, like custom built. Not himself, but he had, you know, like, ordered it that way. Cool. So he, my, my, uh, so my buddy Bronson rolls back from assignment, and he, uh, he, I mean, he treats me like a king. Like, he's like, all right, man, what time you get off? He's like, all right, I'll come pick you up. And I don't know anything beyond that, but I know I'm going to go, uh, stay with him on a sailboat and he's got it set up because he's the living quarters in there it's, it's a great uh boat and so i show up and he's got like a cooler full of beverages he's got two 
that sticks. He's got some potatoes, and he's got the grill already going nice. on the sailboat. Yeah, it's just like so nice. awesome. And like the sun's not quite going down, but it's starting to kind of work its way down in the sky. So you're getting that kind of golden hour. And we so we hung out, caught up, you know, exchanged some more stories about <laughs> rookie training, you know, and yep, surviving. Yep. And um, and then we kind of motor over the yacht club. I think maybe that night. Yeah, and that night and hung out and got to know a bunch of the other jumpers and stuff is super cool. cool. And the next night, my brother comes down. No, you know, I had no idea he was going to be there. And uh, so that was kind of cool. Got to hang out with him and hang out on the sailboat a little bit and, and relax. And, and then we spent a couple of days there. And then the um, same thing happened, man. We were just behind the bust, the lightning bust, and, and they got full. And, and then NCSB was starting to take some weather. And I think. Well, they, I think they're getting storms, so they hadn't jumped anything yet. But on the way back, I think because our casa had come and got came and got us, you know, came from NCSB down to down to um, McCall, okay, picked us up. We flew back, jump ready, and they told us they were going to jump this fire. That um, I guess maybe before they came and picked us up, they they jumped the base out onto this thing. It is a pretty gnarly country, and um, so I can't remember exactly what we're going to do, but we don't end up jumping and. Um, pretty cool because this guy was uh was a contract pilot for uh Bighorn. I think that Bighorn also contracted uh planes overseas in like Afghanistan and stuff. So huh. he has like his uh his hot entry or whatever. You like where, you know, if you're coming in like a hot airstrip, like you you have a certain pattern where you just like buzz in and get down real quick. Yeah, yeah. So, so he did that for us in the Meadow Valley, and that was that was super cool. I remember ripping by some lookout, and it's just like right out the window. <laughs> like, oh man. That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So I <laughs> did that, and then uh, so we landed, and I, you know, I didn't know anything at this point, so I'm like, oh, I guess we're not going. And then um, the next day, I think first thing, we ended up jumping in to reinforce them, and then went, went and did that. And then um, they were in a bunch of other resources, a bunch of helicopters. I think there might have been a couple other fires. And so I get, we get a helicopter right off. They bring two-shot crews uh, to kind of finish it off, and we put in a bunch of saw and stuff for them. And, so it was kind of cool. Got to hang out with them. And that was my first fire jump. It was there in CSB. And, cool. Um, one of the jumpers, uh, like, I hit the ground. And, and it, unbeknownst to me, is, is uh, he was going around. He was on the boost with us. So he's going around buying T-shirts at every place. And if we don't get a jump, then he just keeps them as a souvenir. But if we do, like, he's got a pocket, uh, you know, two T-shirts for me and my rookie bro, you know, in his pocket. Oh, gotcha. In, in his jumpsuit pocket to give us because that's, you know, you're in your shirt. So I hit the ground. And me and my rookie bro jumped, you know, the same fire together. And uh, as as I hit the ground, I think I'm like I can see my rookie bro, bro Justin Johansson. One of the other jumpers peels off the shirt he's wearing, gives it to Johansson, and then um, Lum Tim Lum comes cruising over to me real quick, peels off his shirt, throws it to me. And it's kind of a you know dirty sweaty shirt, but it's like still pretty pumped to have it. So I threw that yeah, sucker out. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was just you know on cloud nine, and then and then we went after the fire and. It's a pretty steep country, but, you know, I'll never forget that. Yeah, yeah. Then we get back to NCSB and ends up being uh, a helicopter from uh, B-Bardies there. And so, like, I know the whole Helltech crew. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it was really cool. We got to hang out with them. It's and, cool how that works sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, my first fire, I get to see them and hang out. and Yeah, and then... Excellent. Yeah, so that was a good season there. Um, and then uh, 2014 is pretty slow. Do you remember that? 2014 was on West Fork. It was actually not like the three previous years, but it was it was okay. West Fork's always four, 
fire-wise and the rest of the forest, I, I really don't remember. You know, we get we we would get so absorbed out there in that world. Yeah. That it's like it was like it was your own forest out there really you know and, what i mean yeah it still kind of feels that way too because it's yeah. so so remote and and like you said this just with like when i spent that season in this or part of the season in dispatch just watching the weather patterns like they'd split and go north and south and they'd hammer west fork and maybe a few starts in, yeah. in sula on its way by but the rest of the forest really wouldn't get touched right right yeah it's yeah. kind of wild because like you said west fork always had its own thing going on yeah and there was a there was that stretch where we had a lot of stuff going on every year it seemed like you know yeah and then it quieted down and yeah yeah it's kind of quiet this year huh really quiet this year yeah, whole forest really yeah weird yeah and my first year out of fire i know yeah <laughs> So, see, you didn't really miss too much. Yeah, it was a coincidence. <laughs> uh, no, and then, so, yeah, 2014 was kind of slow. I I got to jump a pretty cool fire by Highlight Reservoir up above Bozeman. That was the sec your second year? Second year. Second and, year. And uh, I transferred over to West Yellowstone because gotcha. NCSB's budget was attached to the forest. So they had positions open, but they couldn't film because they didn't have the budget for it. That's so, right. and it was really cool because they were awesome. They were like, you know, if you want to come back, we'd love to have you, but we can't. We don't know when you will be able to offer your perm. And right. up until recently, it, it was kind of the case. Right. So I was like, all right, well, you know, had a great time here and I'd lo- love to come back, especially because your second year, you're not like the rookie anymore. So you get to kind of enjoy your spot more. You know, right. your rookie year, you don't want to mess up and you're trying to earn your keep, you know? Yep. So go to West. And, but it was, it was also kind of a, a blessing in itself because like West Yellowstone's awesome. You got to go there. And Kevin Erickson mostly jumped out of West. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He started in Missoula, but I mean, he went over there. And then, yeah, that's, I think, for the rest of his time that he did jump. Oh, really? He didn't, I don't believe he jumped after South Canyon in 94. So I was going to ask 94. Yeah. I yeah. I think, I think he, well, it was 88 that he rookied. Yeah. Because 87, Kevin was on our crew, on the Hot Shot crew. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so he was over there from 88 through, and, well, through 94. And he's in the valley here, isn't he? Huh? Yeah, Ke- he lives he, yeah, he lives over on the east side. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because uh, his uh, brother-in-law works out, at, Gary Mitchell works out at the Trapper uh, Job Corps there. And, yeah, um, I know Gary really well. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and uh, Kevin is married to Don Mackey's sister, Jen. Oh, really? Yeah. And Jan, to this very day, is the one that I get my haircuts from when I get one. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Man, I didn't know. Small world, hey? Yeah. Yeah, because Gary was, uh, brought up my podcast to him. And, and, Gary uh, worked at Darby for a while. That's where I first met him, I oh, think. Yeah. yeah, way back. Yeah, I think he spent a little stint on the shots, too, I think. Yeah, I think he, I'm sure he must have traveled with us somewhere, but he wasn't actually a on our crew anyway, a full-time crew member. Oh, maybe just filled. Yeah. Uh, and then th- he got the job at the job corps and stuff. So. Oh, gotcha. Did you, yeah. call him, did you call him Phil? Huh? Did you call him Phil back in those days? I, I don't remember calling him a nickname or oh, anything. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was that was like the rumor, you know, like you either get uh, Phil or what's the other one? There's another one that's like, <laughs> if you're just, you know, filler. What's that? I can't think of the other one. It'll probably come to me. But uh, yeah, so 2014, uh, kind of nothing too exciting except for that's when I took the Great Northern to California. Yeah. Um, at the end of the season there, uh, so oh, I had a pretty good pan. I did a lot of IC four stuff that year, so I I I see that one and the Gallon Repeller showed up and uh, one of my friends uh from the BBRD days uh ended up being like the I don't know if they call what they call the like repeller in charge, huh? Um, but we call him jumper in charge, the Jick. Mm-hmm. So a time with him, and so it was kind of cool to see him again. And then um, so we had a, we had a really good fire there, and then 
Um, and then we and that one actually was kind of weird because it was in the watershed and they sent the world at it for a minute. And then um, I just took everybody because I was like, well, you're already almost here, and yeah, I don't know, you know, like we'll we'll just smash this thing anyways. And I guess the original direction for the forest was that their local district folks were going to take it over, and no one relayed that to me, so I just kept it. And oh. uh, then find out afterwards that. Uh, a couple folks like higher ups in the forest and the Gallatin forest were not happy. It was only the Gallatin then. It was Gallatin National Forest, not Gallatin Custer. Right. Or Custer Gallatin or whatever. But yeah. So I ended up having a big team meeting, me and Dean Chambers, who was my uh, trainer at the uh, Hepkin Ranger District, you know, there in West Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Big teleconference deal. And that's back like before teams and stuff where they were like a thing. So like doing this big teleconference with, like, the Forest FMO and the Ranger and, like, all these, like, higher, the you know, all these higher-ups that were, like, wondering why we did what we did. And what do you mean? Yeah. You, you didn't know. Exactly. I was totally oblivious. And they, they figured it out, I think, partway through. And uh, I was like, hey, you know, like, and, and I went in just thinking it was like they just were curious, you know, because Gallatin still doesn't really see that much fire. So, like, I thought they were just kind of curious to see how, how things went and, you know, get yeah. some feedback from us. So I came in just like, hey, thanks for calling us. You know, I like, really appreciate it. Like, you know, hopefully we did some good work for you. You know, it was great to work with your folks and with Gallatin. And, you know, just approaching it how I'd always would, you know, because it was, it was awesome that the local district folks came up. But I think they end up they end up saying something that kind of, like, caught me a little bit, like, sideways. I was like, um, I think one of the people was still a little bitter. And I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, yeah, sorry. I didn't know you had one of your people take it over. And I was like, I don't know how they were going to take it over because they had no supplies. They We actually had, because it's what happened, we actually did have to supply them with our food boxes because huh. they didn't have enough supplies to stay the the full, like, huh. three days, I think, that we ended up having it. So we shared our, our rations with them, which was fine. We don't care, you know, no big yeah. deal. But it's just like, if you're sending your folks to take over a fire, you don't, not, they're not even equipped to take it over. And they didn't want it. They Because they, I, I offered when they showed up, I was like, hey, did you guys want to have this thing? And, yeah, they didn't want it, so I was like... So it wasn't your fault. No, yeah, yeah, that's why I explained. I think after they heard the full story on things, like, oh, got it all, right. got it all figured out then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just miscommunication. Misunderstanding, yeah. Yeah, and totally. Miscommunication, yeah. And who knows, like, if they told someone in our overhead and they just didn't quite make it to me or yeah. whatever ended up happening. But, you know, like in the end, it was all good. I think we ended up kind of almost bridging the gap between the jump base and, and uh, some of the folks in the forest who um, yeah. may have been standoffish with us a little bit, you know? Huh. Because we're like, hey, whatever you guys need. And so, yeah, it ended up being pretty cool. And then um, i trying to think. Jumped on the fire over by Deer Lodge, jumped a bunch on the Panhandle. Man, we jumped a fire that was the 1910 burn scar. There hadn't been fire, as far as anyone knew, in that area since 1910. Wow. Yeah, I was like, and the, uh, the D.O., uh, duty officer, you know, hit me up and he's like, "How's it looking?" I'm like, "It's uh, it's good. I think we're, I think we're gonna get her, you know." And I was calling, I was calling for every resource available, but it was a giant lightning bust. The whole panhandle, like most of Idaho, and every, I think I'm trying to remember how it worked out, but every resource I called got turned away to a different fire, bigger priority, or or whatnot, you know. And uh, we were just at the beginning of the bust, so like, um they were you know didn't know what they had they were just trying to get everybody on everything and it's in august i think so they're trying to or maybe it's not quite august yet because i had the great northern august i think but it's like you know fire danger is high yeah, <laughs> so yeah um uh, i finally worked my way down to boise and i get a you know through just asking and get availability and work with Coraline dispatch and 
so finally, uh, Boise's got a, a load of jumpers, and I was like, I'll take them. Like, we, we're trying to keep this thing here, and that was the direction from the duty officer. So I'm like, for sure. So, send them. Yeah. Yeah, send them. So I'm getting updates. Like, uh, the two folks gone. They got six left. Do you still want them? Yep, still want them. And then, you know, like half hour later, uh, down to four folks. You still want them? I was like, yes, still send them. And then, uh, oh, down to two folks. You still want them? And they were kind of not wanting me to have them. I was like, yeah, if you guys can spare them, we'll take them. And then they jumped another fire. <laughs> so, oh, jeez. Yeah. They, they unloaded before they even got to us. And I was like, oh, Well, no. you would have had a good bunch. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so it ended up just being eight folks on it. And, and uh, we got lucky. You got saved by, like, uh, a north-facing aspect with a game trail. So it hung up on the ridge in the time of day, you know, uh-huh. towards the evening. Hung itself up on the on the ridge with a little help from us. And That's lucky. Yeah, really lucky. And um but it started off kind of rough like our cargo ended up like getting kicked different or the wind switched something happened and our cargo ended up in the fire so we lost like a food box oh no yeah maybe a saw or something i can't remember but lost a couple boxes a little sacrifice there and but it ended up being a pretty cool fire but it was thick man when he said something about like uh you know how's it looking i was like okay he's like yeah pretty thick huh i was like yeah, yeah, it's real <laughs> thick. He's like, yeah, it's, it hasn't been a fire in there since 1910. Wow. And then the fire scars that we did see were on some giant timber. You know, yeah. these, like, stobs that were just left over, you know. So That's a long time. Yeah. Over 100 years. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Because one of the guys, I forgot why he ended up going down. Oh, because uh, one of the boxes had tumbled. So he was going down. Him and another guy went down to recover the box. Went all the way down to the creek bottom. and. Uh, he said they they passed some massive, you know, uh, stops, stumps on the way oh, down God. there. You know, I was like, what would they have been? What kind of trees? Uh, I don't know. I mean, because there was a bunch of white bark in the area, so huh. I don't. I mean, I heard like white bark get pretty big, but I don't, maybe ponderosa too, because there's a bunch of ponderosa that were there huh. too. So gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, some some kind of old growth. I, I mean, I, yeah. What do you think? I guess in, it, it's kind of near Avery, Idaho country. Yeah, uh, that sounds about right, I guess. Yeah, because yeah. it's a little more dry, so I don't know. I mean, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, they probably to think. didn't have like that many cedars and stuff. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think it was wet enough for cedars. Yeah, but I think it I was. I mean, there were lots of cedars in that country over by Wallace and those nineteen ten. You know, oh yeah. The Big Burn area. I wonder, maybe it were cedars. I mean, down there in the creek know. bottom, it could have been some cedars. I'm, yeah, I bet it was. Yeah, some giant cedars back there in the creek bottom. That makes sense. Could have been. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see them so. Um, yeah, so that was a cool fire. Spent some days on it and hiked off, and um, it was so thick. I my I had my hard hat uh, fiber taped to my pack, um, just because it kept getting ripped off my head by the brush. Yeah. So I just fiber taped to my pack and just was literally bear crawling through these little like holes, thinking I was gonna run into a bear because we had already had a cub like kind of messing with us. Huh. And uh, not a cub, but like a like a one year old or two year old or something like a small black bear. Yeah. Um, hanging around the whole time we were there. So I'm thinking I'm going to run into, you know, his mama or daddy in this <laughs> trail and I'm all by myself. And I hear the the branch rip my heart out off and I hear it tumble, but I'm not even on like a slope. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll get through this little thicket and I'll turn around. I should be right there. Never found it. Took, really? Yeah. Like took my pack off, but didn't leave it, like drug it back with me so I wouldn't lose it. It was so thick. That thing was gone. Like oh. I, I looked at everywhere for it. And finally I was like, well. I'm running out of time here. So, you know, we got someone to come pick us up. So yeah, it's in the forest somewhere. Never huh, get it. That's crazy. Yeah, that thick, insanely thick. That so, is thick. Like unable to hike through really. And can't even see it or anything. Yeah, can't see anything. Yeah, can't hear anything because the brush is so thick. It's just scraping on your body and you're moving all the brush. It's like 
Yeah. If there was some giant animal right there, man, he <laughs> would have heard me coming and had me. Yeah. Wouldn't know the difference, I guess. Crazy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then had the side so that fire and a, a few other cool little things happened that season and just being a West Yellowstone's really cool and yeah. And uh they're uh like you know, a lot of the jump bases have like um sirens or, you know, like horns or something, you know, for like a fire call. Right. And uh West Yellowstone's uh Lone Ranger. The <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's like it's uh pre programmed into like this switch. I don't know how they did it and it's been there forever, but like when the fire call comes through, the ops person hits the button and it blares the, the Lone, Lone Ranger. Ranger theme song. Yeah, That's great. It's so awesome. Yeah, because like first time I heard it, I was like, Man. And I was like, Oh, I know what that is, you know? Right right. That's got cool. Up, you know? <laughs> really cool. So I had a good time there and then um should I keep I don't want to keep this all night here because I you know got keep going, a lot man. more to go. But uh so then uh Great Northern uh, Great Northern to um to California, came back uh all ten thirty nines pretty much on the Great Northern. So besides like myself and the squad bosses, like it's everyone's about out of time. So uh we were trying to maybe you know, squeak out one more roll, but like they had they had cranked that year. They had they had quite a few hours, so they were they're all pretty done, you know, and being newer, newer firefighters, I think that it was good that we didn't push them on another roll. Right. So Great Northern was done, I think, pretty much when we got back from California. Yeah, it was when we got back from California. Had our end of the, end of the year crew party. It was a good time. And and then um, at that point, uh, there's no perm available for me at West Yellowstone either because I found out West Yellowstone was also tight to the forest, so their yeah. budget's tight too. And um and those are still the days where people didn't vacate perms very easily. You right. know. So even right. if you got a perm six, you held on to that sucker for a while. Yep. So um I put him for a temp position in Missoula and uh it was an upgrade though, it was a six. And so uh I ended up getting that and it was kinda cool because this is twenty fifteen? Uh twenty fourteen. So and end of twenty fourteen they did like 14. a short temp hire and I just threw my name in the hat and, and still just chasing a perm and, and still kind of always want to jump onto Missoula. And then they had the DC-3. Yeah. So I was like, oh, man, I want to get a DC-3 jump. And yeah. So it was, that was one of the big motivations to go there. So uh, the dream was the DC-3 jump into the Bob Marshall, you know, was was the dream. And uh, so chasing that a little bit. And uh, I think I I was demobbing off a of fire. And I want to see my wife and her little bro met me at the jump base, and we're the pilots are so cool. They give us a tour, and my brother-in-law's in the in the seat in the pilot seat of the DC three, and cool. the pilots giving a good you know run through on everything. I was like, man, I never even sat in the front seat, you know, <laughs> like Miss Montana. Uh, no, different one. The other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah they got rid of that. The the other one they had just not too long ago. And, gotcha. Um, but beautiful aircraft, and kind of hanging out, and then um. Mitch, uh, the uh, uh, training foreman, comes out and he's like, "Hey, uh, I'd like to offer you a position." And I was like, "Like, I thought he messed with me." And I was like, "Oh, like for what?" And he's like, "The position you applied for." I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, well, you're interested still?" I was like, "Absolutely." He's like, "Perfect. Well, it's yours." And I was like, "Oh, Mitch, are you serious?" And so I was pumped, you know, like, "Ah, oh, I get to." chase down this dream and you know like little dreams you know that was one of the little dream i had of being a jumper as a dc3 yeah so end up going there uh go down to region eight that winter get my first ice storm experience in hot springs arkansas huh yeah doing you know down there in the burn mod with all the rest of the jumpers it was a pretty cool because like one of my friends from ncsb uh another fellow from mccall um and 
this fella is the only person I know of who's base jumped off the smelter stack in Anaconda. Ah, yeah, he yeah. didn't want to talk. Really want to I've talk heard about of it, it happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, didn't, he didn't really want to talk about it too much. But I was like, <laughs> that's so cool, man. I'm from Whitehalls. I'm like right down the road. <laughs> and uh, he's like, Shh. <laughs> you know, but he was, he was a cool dude. Cool. So, yeah, and then uh, there was a fellow fella from Reading, and I'm trying to think who else is there. But it just you know, it was a small group of us, and I'm trying to remember how many we had. I think it was eight. Oh no, we split up. So like four of us went there, and then the other four stayed in Broken Bow. Uh, Oklahoma, and um, so we got ice iced in, and like I'd heard about these ice storms, you know, that's like what they always tell me about. I'm like, not thinking much of them. Like I've been through blizzards and stuff, so like right. not a big deal, but it's a big deal. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's heavy, man. I mean, it was in like a matter of an hour, maybe that that ice storm hammered us, and like a like inch or more thick ice on the road, like just nuts how fast it comes in, cause they're. They call us off the project. We're out thinning, doing some burn prep, and they're like, "Hey, we need you to come back to the district and come back." Like, like think maybe they got a fire. Like, what's going on? They're like, well, we got you know ice storm coming. It's like it's time for you guys to go. Like, yeah, get your get hotel out of there. there. Yeah. yeah, like don't even stop to get food or whatever. Just go. So we're like, okay. Did you hear that? It's weird. It almost sound like a people, siren. People walk by every once in a while. I oh. see them out there. <laughs> got some folks hanging. So. <laughs> Yeah, the ice storm hits, and we're in a hotel, so we're just kind of hanging it, riding it out. And so I'm still not really thinking much of it. I'm like, ah, that's pretty crazy. And then go to sleep, and the next morning, uh, the whole town shut down. So just ice everywhere. Ice everywhere. Can't drive anywhere. Can't do anything. So um group of us are like, well, let's go see if we can find a restaurant or something. Like, check it out downtown. And Hot Springs, Arkansas is pretty cool. You know, like, it's got links to, like, the Major League Baseball teams from back in the day and Al huh. Capone and a bunch of these cool, like, old bathhouses. Yeah. But they're all shut down, so we we don't get to check them out. But there's, like, two restaurants open still in town. I don't know how they end up making it to the restaurant, but really good food, so we got to go hang there, and that was cool. And then uh, after a couple of days, things uh, thaw out, and then we end up going to Clarksville, uh, Arkansas, which is, like, in the Ozarks. So we got to do some, some cool work up in the Ozarks. And, cool. Uh, and then – help drive the rigs back to Reading and then uh, start my 2015 season. And that was um, probably the best, one of the best seasons of my fire career just because like. Is this the Alaska year? Yeah, went to Alaska for like three months. That's and cool. You just stayed up there for that whole time? Yeah, stayed up there the whole time. Isn't yeah. that, that's kind of extraordinary, isn't it, to be there that long or not really? Oh, not not really. Like if you get up there early, like I, I got there pretty early so i was up there for ram air training and then came back and then went right back up so that part of the reason i was there so long because ram air training was like close to a month and then um then just being out there for well, i think it was like maybe a little longer i can't remember how i ended up being up there for almost like three months but i guess it's maybe two and some change but uh that's cool yeah cause some like, of those alaska jumpers stick around for a real long time yeah you know? oh man so it's old man jumper country because the yeah. you know the tundra are it's the, so uh, cool they just stay there <laughs> yeah and there's just so much oxygen so like you're in the you know tundra is like a big pillow sometimes you know like so man if you uh if you're jumping good jumps and all that air and, and flying that ram air parachute right man you get a long you have a long career as a jumper up there yeah AK. and some of those guys don't even like to come to the lower, lower 48 because yeah the risk goes up like they don't they don't have as much padding in their suits you know like they don't have the weight and yeah it's, because the train's more forgiving you mean yeah i think yeah. so like they don't have to really worry about it as much you huh, know interesting so, I mean, yeah they may have changed it but i'm pretty sure that's how it was when i was there and um 
I don't think they use fire shelters. At least they weren't when I was there because they don't. Fort work. Wainwright's the main work. where the main jump base stuff is, yep. right? Yeah, out of, out of Fairbanks, Alaska. Yeah, I mean, and it's like right near where Midnight Sun hangs out and all that. Yeah, when, yeah when my pal Dave was running Midnight Sun. Oh yeah, yeah. Midnight Sun and China both run right next door to the base. Right yeah, there in Port Wainwright. Close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, like, they got a big, like, cafeteria for uh, the for- the BLM folks, I guess they are. Did you ever get to go to the cafeteria in Missoula before it went away at the jump base? No, it was operational. That was so cool. Oh, I bet. Yeah, because the kitchen's We awesome. used to eat there a lot when we'd cycle through, you know, if we were waiting to fly out and it was the, the correct time of day. They'd just open it up, you know, and oh, it was man. so good. You came up in such a good era, you know, like the Magruder, you know, like... <laughs> Uh, ranger station when they had the cook because you got to see that too right not when it was active oh I yeah i got to. here after it west fork absorbed it and then oh. then it was just a work center they didn't you know staff it yeah like it, they did before 70 i think 73 was when it absorbed with west oh, fork damn it west fork because it was deep yeah. creek before that right was that was that was the original there? name they yeah. named it after the creek that comes down from nez pass Deep Creek. Yeah. Yeah, and then for whatever reason, because of the battlefield and stuff, I guess, they changed it to Magruder. Oh, yeah. That's what I was wondering, yeah. I think it was still called, I think it was called Magruder before West West Fork absorbed it, and I I couldn't tell you when when they made that change from Deep Creek. Yeah, I don't either. I just remember, like, someone talking about Deep Creek, and I'm like, where in the world is that? And then, like, uh, that's when I figured out, I was like, oh, Magruder. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. yeah, and then you were telling me about some other place you were eating. Uh, oh, the, getting like meals from the Job Corps back when they used to do that. Say that again. Oh, the the food you were getting from the Job Corps back in the day when they they had the cook on there and. Oh it, yeah, at our Job Corps center, you mean yeah, down here? Yeah. Yeah, where that was was just a work center when the Bitterroot IR crew started. Oh really? In '63, that was where they, that was where their quarters were, oh, I, and cool. I never. I've seen some old pictures of it. There were, you know, there were a bunch of, not a lot, but a bunch of buildings there Yeah. before it, they decided the Department of, I don't know what department. Labor, I think. Department, department of Labor, of labor yeah. runs, ran them at least then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but the, that yeah, was that was later. That was, well, it was full-fledged in 76, so I don't know exactly when they started the actual Job Corps Center, but yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, when they talked about shutting it down, they were shutting down some Job Corps Centers around the nation. Um, some of the folks that were working there, the fire folks, I guess it's forest service, uh, property or something. Yeah. So they're like, whatever, you know, give it, go, go ahead and take off. We'll keep it as the forest service then. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess. I hope they don't. It's a good program, man. It's, it's been good. It is a great program. Yeah. Just getting to work. And you know, students. back in the day, we're getting a little sidetracked here, but back yeah. in the day, a lot of us on the districts got squad boss experience by the job court could could send out two to three 20 person hand crews oh yeah and so a lot of us got the opportunity to go with them as squad bosses from time to time that's huge which was good for us yeah and it was good for them too you know and they could send out like sometimes in the heyday eight camp crews yeah you know they they people went all over the place which is which is awesome for folks who don't know is the the students don't get paid unless they're on an incident. So going even on as a camp crew or yeah. you know, a, a twenty man crew, like they're they get some money and then that's all pretty much investment for they them. They make some good money. I don't know exactly what they go as if it they they go as ads or what. I'm not really not sure. It, but yeah, I think it's ad because I was talking to one of the students yesterday and he 
like, ah, we don't get hazard overtime. It all kind of evens out because their AD rate's pretty high. It's like, that's, yeah, that's a good But deal. considering, you know, that they make virtually nothing if, unless they're gone on fires and stuff, they if it was a busy season, the kids would do good. Oh, yeah, really good. And they have no expenses, right? Because, like, yeah. yeah, they don't pay for they yeah. have to pay for their food or board or anything like that. Good so, deal. Yeah. So three months in Alaska, huh? Yeah, so, yeah, real close. I don't think it, maybe it wasn't quite three months. Three months sticks out to me. But anyway, so, so I was there for, I will just say three months. And, Did you spend uh, time way out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. on some of the fires and stuff? Yeah, totally. We're out in, like, McGrath and... Uh, I thought I heard a siren. And uh, so I was out in McGrath mostly. Um, did a lot of flying. I We flew by Denali like five times or something. Like a close, lot. Close? Yeah. Close to I it? Couldn't see it. Oh. It was smoked in. The whole Alaska was smoked in so bad that year that I got oh, never bummer. saw it. Yeah. And a lot of times it's clouded over too. Oh, yeah. Probably didn't help When either. I went up to visit Dave and Randy, it was the end of February, beginning of March. And. Usually then it's pretty wintry, but we decided to take their dogs and go ski joring in Denali Park. And the day we went, it was crystal clear. You could, you could see the mountain from like 80 miles away. It was cool. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah, we so we like the first night we're in uh, McGrath, and I think we're like we're smoked in at this point, so no one's leaving, no one's coming. You know, like in half. Maybe not quite half, but a chunk of Idaho Panhandle is there. And the super supervisor there, I think his name was Chris Smith, and turns out Bronson's little brother Dustin got flown with those guys because he's one of the lighter guys on the crew. So huh. part of the Panhandle's there, and but they're split. The crew is, uh, so they can't do anything. And we're waiting on the rest of the crew to meet him there. Yeah. But we end up going down to the local watering hole, local tavern there, and just kind of the hang where everyone goes after hours and, like, even the pilots and stuff. And... The pilots, you know, call it a short night because they that eight-hour window, you know, right. b- bottled throttle, and you know they can't break that. And, right. But it was it was just cool. They come out and hang. Usually, just have like a a beer maybe, and and that's all I was like trying to get into as well, you know, because uh, Crohn's and just you know want to be fresh for fire in case it goes. But uh, but it, it's light, you know. So it's yeah. it around the solstice, and so it's light. It's so weird. Yeah, like, yeah. We were there pretty late one night. And the handful of us, because like like I said, we're grounded. Nothing could happen, and so like we end up like riding bikes around McGrath at like two in the morning, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's just daylight out. That's so, crazy. Like, yeah, it's like this is not, and I'm like I'm never gonna experience this again. So like we were just like all just kind of pumped. We're driving around, we're, like riding around, and then the bunk, like the little bunkhouse they had for us, was just a ton of bunk beds, and uh, it's just like blacked out curtains, loud fans rolling, and oh, get it dark, yeah, yeah, get it dark, and then bust up the noise a little bit with a loud really loud fan and so it slept pretty good there but it was just so weird man like going to sleep at light waking up at the same light you know it's a whole different world yeah oh it's so weird that's cool yeah it was really cool and so the one of the pilot gals um she uh she was, i think the plane was called a caravan you like a passenger plane oh yeah um so she was she was shuttling around and she was working for a family business and i think it was called like a show she was on it was like flying alaska because one of the jumpers from Grangeville was also, like, working on his pilot li- license and was nerding out about pilot stuff. He's like, huh, you look so familiar. And she's like, oh, one of those faces. So she's, like, dodging. And finally it hits him. He's like, I know you. Uh, you know? And she's like, you know? And she's, like, super cool. So huh. she, like, flew us around most of the time, too. That's cool. Yeah, so it's kind of a cool little connection there. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I got got some fire jumps there. Um, nothing, nothing too crazy. Just, like, really interesting when you – leave like solid ground of McGrath, go on a plane, jump out of the, I jumped out of the Canadian DC three, which is super cool. Huh. So I got two DC three jumps in a year, you know, cool. the Missoula one, the Canadian one. And then 
landing on like the mattress tundra thing that everyone talks about it is like it's really like walking on a waterbed it is the weirdest feeling that's cool yeah it wore me out though because i had all my pack gear like all my gear packed oh, trying up. to walk in it yeah yeah with 100 pounds you know and it's kind of like unstable yeah, yeah really <laughs> unstable all your little stabilizer muscles are firing trying to keep you upright and yeah it was, it was a wild feeling walking on a lily pad or something you know yeah yeah so um yeah i get there and then i gotta figure out how to fight fire in this stuff and you know water is the best best thing so we're just going around and from like puddle to puddle with these little hondas and and you know pumping water out and yeah stirring it the best we could that's cool yeah it's really cool like we're up it's like bethel i want to see where we're at bethel's is kind of in my brain too like there's both of them are in alaska but i can't remember exactly i want to see bethel it's yeah. close to but then Tulisic, Tulisic was like one other place we went to. I was just talking to Therese about this last night, so it's kind of fresh in my brain because the Canadian fire being kind of similar to Alaskan fire. Grizzly bears? No, no experience. No grizzly no. bears experiences with me. Um, yeah, were you, a ton of moose. Were you near places where you guys could get supplement food with fish and stuff? Well, yeah, the natives, the first thing we showed up, and, man, they were armed with the teeth. <laughs> like, oh, man, this is how I die. Yeah, because I, I drifted. They let us out a little bit farther out. Um being the rounds, like the Alaska jumpers aren't used to spotting rounds that much. So it's probably the same as the Rams, but like you just can't cover the ground on the round. So like me and my JP were a little further out. So I had to be the last one uh, to get it with the rest of the crew. And I can't really tell, but the locals are kind of in the trees and the jumpers are all out in the open area. And it's, as soon as you get close enough to realize like what the jumper bros are talking to, being these native folks with like AKs and all kinds of like, huh. you know, automatic looking weapons and i was like oh <laughs> son of a gun like is this where it goes down but what ended up happening i found out was that we were jumping a sacred island of this local tribe and oh. um so uh that's why like we kept i mean we're passing all these fires there's fires everywhere i'm like man what? are we gonna get one of these you know and then so we finally jumped this little island surrounded by water and i'm like huh but Ended up working out pretty cool because I ended up getting a uh, crew boss experience. And, cool. um, yeah, I ended up getting getting a call on a uh, scooper because um, it was just in some thick stuff that were, it was not going out. So we called a scooper, and it just smashed it. And the turnaround time was, like, nothing because it's right there. Lakes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. the water's right there. So that scooper just. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a plane that scoops water and, and yep. has a tent, belly tank. And, oh, just hammered it. It was awesome. Yeah, uh, cool. So. <laughs> It was super cool. Um, oh, and, I, and on that same uh, fire, our same uh, yeah fire assignment, I was uh, with one of my best buddies from Whitehall, John Holovnia, who I went to high school with, huh. who was a year, just a year above me. He rookied the year before me in Bronson, I think. And Bronson's from Whitehall. I'm from Whitehall. John's from Whitehall. Cool. And somehow the shuffle just works out, Big Ernie or whatever it is, and me and Johnny end up being jump partners, JPs. So the next jump, fire I jumped, and Holovnia wasn't there when I jumped the fire, my buddy John, and I come back, and all of a sudden, there he is, you know, my, my high school buddy. I'm like, oh, dude, so That's good to see cool. you. Yeah, and then so we go in and uh, jump out this other spot in the middle of nowhere by this, like, raw station, and uh, then we end up doing, like, this cabin protection. Just a cool time, and it ends up, we end up getting split. There's four of us who jumped it, and then we got split, two of us, and uh, so me and John end up going on this other structure pro, and then the other two go up, like, you know, upriver a little ways, and they actually had a little incident with a with a pretty good sized bear. So they were in a pretty rough looking cabin. I think they ended up sleeping inside of it because of the the bear was it was patrolling. Huh. We yeah we didn't have any issues. It was it was really cool. And yeah. So like I mean the odds of like 
my high school buddy, you know, in all of Alaska, meeting up in the grass. I know, then, that's so cool. Yeah, I got a video of us going out the door together. It's yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. So that that's probably always my highlight. And then so then um the next fire so then I get back to the lower forty eight, go up to Mile City, uh, and it just keeps getting better. Cause then go up to Mile City. I always wanted to get a Mile City jump and it's got one of the cooler logos. Uh catfish with the Pulaski. So um we're I can't remember how how it went down, but um I wanna say I don't I don't know, I can't remember exactly how it went down because I ended up being like the only person in uh in Mile City because everyone jumped on like I got a forced day off, so I had to take a day off in place. Yeah. So I was just roaming around uh Mile City on a bro bike going from like watering hole to watering hole, like actual water. Like there's like a like a, a pond in the middle of Mile City. I went and hung out and, and did that, and then there's like another little watering hole like pond um a little further outside of town so i went and swam there too and huh. just kind of staying cool and <laughs> checking yeah. things out and had some, took myself out to lunch in mile city and then uh get back to the base in the morning and it's just me and it was like oh man me and rocky <laughs> and uh so rocky's kind of a quiet guy and i'm just like bugging him on and off all day and <laughs> eventually he locked me out <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but it was just fun messing with him and then everyone returns and, and then we get a fire call and uh it ends up being um uh I don't I think I can't remember exactly how it played out. Oh, so we end up getting a fire call and and I think I hear Butte and I I'm not the jumper in charge, so I don't I don't have the headset on, so I don't know where we're going really. Right. Um but then my dad, like you fly low enough you get service. So we're we're in the Sherpa and my dad's like Hey, why don't you come put this thing out and send me a picture? And it's the Tobacco Root Mountains, and it's a fire that's real close to Brownback. Huh. Like I can recognize it right away. You know, grew up right underneath there. I'm like, I'm like man. And uh, we get turned around, and we're going back. It's like, ah, oh, man, I'll, I'll I'll see what I can do. But it looks like they, you know, other needs for us. And then uh, whoever, I think uh, Whitehall was trying to see if they can get enough people to fight it, and then they end up grabbing. Uh, they didn't have enough folks to get to to get her done and we ended up just kind of be in the area so it just worked out somehow that huh. we got called up to do it so we go at this beautiful like sunset jump into the tobacco tobacco roots mountains cool. tobacco root mountains where i grew up yeah and then so we go and it ends up bumping into an old fire scar where the line was still like decently intact so we we're able to use a bunch of the old line and, and improve it and then uh the whitehall crew was cruising around the other side and we end up kind of meet in the middle and ends up being one of my other really good buddies, Mitch, and, and my other good buddy, Chris. And Nice. Yeah, so, like, yeah, I, I had an idea these guys were there, but I had no idea, you know, because they weren't talking on the radio. They were running the saw, and I was also running the saw, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, meet him, meet him in the middle of the saw line. It's like, oh, man. That's cool. Yeah, so it's so <laughs> cool. And, and then my dad ended up coming up that evening, brought, you know, drove up in his Jeep. So All right. Yeah, I got to hang out for a little bit. and then. Uh, That's kind of unique. Yeah, so jumping a fire right near home. Yeah, right near home. Yeah, and then we go to Mile City, and it's about time to swap out the crew. They, they give us the option to stay if we wanted to, and and um, happened to be my wife's birthday, and uh, she has no idea I'm coming back. Like my estimated date was, you know, like a week away or something. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, ah, it sucks. Can't be back for your birthday. It's like, man, bad deal, you know. And like I'm in the air, you know, flying to, flying to Missoula. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, one of her friends and, you know, my sister-in-law and a few people were taking her out. A few of her friends were taking her out to eat. And so I was like, oh, you, you guys still there? What you guys plans from here? I was like, I don't know. I think we're just going to have like 
maybe a drink and, and call it a night. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just landed. So I'm like boogieing to get all my stuff in. And I had a Subaru WRX at the time. So I get in that thing and I just mob it down to the to the restaurant she's at. And oh, just blew her away though. So <laughs> there. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty unique. Yeah, it was super cool. Yeah, so I was surprised on her birthday. And <laughs> so I had a, had a great time. And then um, like the next day, uh, we get a, a fire call. Oh, no. So, yeah, the next day we get a fire call. We jump Idaho again. And then I run into my – this is just outside of uh, Pond Array. Okay. So Sandpoint, Idaho. And um, we don't just jump on the spot. That was uh, type 1 team. I'm trying to remember the gal's name who was the IC at the time. But the operations ends up being my mentor and friend, Joe Sampson. Huh. So, you know, I hear him on the radio. And uh, I don't remember if I reached out then. But then we get back into Chow that the last night – so we we just spiked out, you know, on that spot. And then last night we get back into into camp, and it's a beautiful camp. It's at like some resort, you know, awesome food, like everything's just just great. Yeah. And uh, you know, out of nowhere, get this like big old paw on my shoulder, and it's my buddy Joe Sampson, you know, and uh, he's like, "How's it been out there?" I was like, "Hey, man, thanks for the call." You know, like he's part of the reason why I ended up getting called up, you know, and and jumping that spot, and it, you know, got us out the door and got them to help because we were pretty much grounded at that point, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it was like cool to talk to him, but the panhandle just got hammered that year. So we go back to reset and I get a jump request like that night text message, you know, like we just got back and I was like, oh, all right. And what are you thinking? We're going back to the panhandle and, and kind of close to the Avery country where it's really steep. So I was like, man, all right, you know, going back after it. So me and this uh, Alaska jumper named Ty Humphrey um, are you know, on the jump load, like think we're, you know, gonna be getting in the DC three and taking off. And yeah, I think there's like 10 of us, which would fit on the DC three, but they just sent eight towards, uh, a fire and it ends up not being the panhandle. I think it ended up being somewhere near Augusta, like bench mark or something. Huh? And I was like, Oh man, that's cool. Like they're going near the Bob. And, uh, I was like, man, kind of wish I was jumping the Bob. And then ops is like, all right, now for you guys, and I'm thinking like they're having to stay for rehab or you know make some food boxes, like help out with you know stuff we got behind on. He's like, we got a jump mission for you boys. I was like, oh yeah, and I'm thinking like, oh here comes the panhandle one. I knew it. And they're like, uh, you got structure protection. I was like, oh, that kind of sounds weird. And like in the Bob Marshall. I was like, Bob Marshall Williams jump. And like yeah, and I got so pumped. I just like flung off my t-shirt. And through the sucker, because I, I don't like wearing a, a T-shirt or my yellow, especially flying, because you're already super hot. So right. I usually throw my T-shirt into my leg pocket, and then when I land, I'll throw it back on, or at least that night I'll have a dry T-shirt to, t- to change into. Yeah, that makes sense. So I threw the sucker into the oblivion, never got it back, and it was one of my favorite T-shirts. <sighs> but So I got my Bob Marshall jump, spent like a, n- a little over a month in the Bob Marshall, ended up hiking out like in some fresh snow. It was super cool. And... uh <laughs> That was pretty much the end of my season there, and then did some traveling down into Georgia, me and the wife and the dog, and uh, yeah, North Carolina, and check Cruise, out some of that country. Cruising around. Yeah, and then took a detail in 16 to Whitehall as an engine boss. Uh, got my engine boss signed off, Mike King signed off my IC4 that year, and then, uh, so before, before I, or after I took the detail, I didn't even know Mike King had taken the engine foreman job in Whitehall. Oh, yeah. So, like, he sends me a text one late night, and he's like, not even not really late, but, like, a later night, you know, just more for the story. But he's like, hey, heard you're going to be working in Whitehall this summer. And I was like, oh, yeah? Who'd you talk to? 
He's like, I heard you might be working for me this summer. I was like, wait, working for you? And then he told me he took the engine foreman position there because huh. his wife had taken a position in Bozeman. So Kim. Yep, Kim. I know like, Kim really well. Yeah, because she was a lookout, right? No, she worked with us at Stevensville in 2000. Oh, on really? The, on the fire crew there. Well, and I'd met her earlier. She she, and my pal Joni Cummings uh, were... Joni was on our crew, on the oh. Hotshot crew, in 90, last part of 93, all of 94 and 95. And she was on Grayback. Oh, really? So Kim was on Grayback with her for a season or two. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, she staffed Willow for a minute, though, because King told me he went up to Willow she, to visit her a couple times. Yeah, she probably did somewhere in there. Yeah. 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 I think probably towards the end of the fire crew. Once maybe, I huh? went back other place, to West Fork and stuff, I kind of... Lost track of where people were. Well, because you're on your, your island out there in paradise. You yeah. Know? Like, oh, man, what a spot the West Fork is. It's, it, not, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right for you. Not worth checking out if you haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and so, yeah, I'm working for him, and he had a great summer. Spent a lot of time out in Billings, Mall City Country. and, and Cool. Uh, yeah, and um, he just let me, like, run the run the show and get my engine boss get my engine boss signed off. and, and then, Excellent. Yeah. Um, a great crew that year too. Just some like younger folks that were just really stoked about fire. Cool. Yeah, some real go getters. It, it was great. And then, uh, seventeen. Um, so my at this point my Crohn's is starting to like really bother me. Like fifteen was pretty rough on me. Just a real busy year. And afterwards, my my guts were were pretty well. I don't know smoked. how you did some of it, man. With you know this the crazy stuff we have to eat on fires and everything. Yeah, it caught off to me a little bit in Alaska. And uh, so I was like, man, like it was kind of like a, I had enough downtime on that fire where my guts were just wrecked. Then I was like, yeah, this isn't long term for me. You yeah, know? yeah. And because and I was on all my medication and stuff and trying to do the best I could, and I'm losing a ton of weight because you're burning so many calories and I can't eat enough to keep it going, you know. And yeah. So at the end of that season, I about hung it up. We were end of – no, I think at the end of 15, I think – or no, it was the end of 16, I think. We, we went down to Arizona. Um, my wife was a traveling occupational therapist. So we went down to Arizona, and I just, like, had been thinking about it and kind of stressing over jumping, and my guts were in bad shape. So I called the jump base, and I just can't do it. Yeah, I was like, I can't do it. I, I got to quit. So I like, want to, but. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, they kind of talked me out. I was like, whoa, whoa, man. Because like, at this point, I've got, like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years in fire already, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're like, man, like, you sure? Like, we, there's some options here. So they, um, they worked with me and I talked to one of my friends on the Billings Fire Department and, um, you know, like at the time I thought it was just diet. I didn't know like sleep was, was another issue that I was having. That was really a problem. So, yeah. um, so I work with the jump base, uh, and then talk to my friend and get the structure fire stuff kind of figured out. And, uh, um, I, I had got my EMT luckily the year before. So okay. I was, so I was able to apply for, for, uh, structure fire, um, departments in, in Montana. So I took the consortium, um, and part of the reason why I took another detail in 17 is so I could take the consortium cause it's in like end of June or some, at least it was that year. So I was like, I'd refresh and then I, you know, wouldn't be jump available cause I wouldn't be able to go anywhere cause I'd have to be available for this consortium and I, and I just wanted to train. So right. I took a detail to work for, um, Karen Stockman, uh, botanist for the Lolo hmm. at the time. And she, she's great. So awesome working for her and learned a lot. You know, I didn't know that side of the forest service. So yeah, got to learn a lot of the plant stuff, do some cool weed surveys up in the old, uh, uh, oh, highway 12. I can't remember the name of that old timber, 
Oh, oh. Log and Country. Oh, okay. Some of the P. Plum yeah. Creek. Plum uh, Creek. Yeah, yeah, Plum Creek Country, the, yeah. Yeah, the Plum Creek Country. And yeah. So it was cool. I got to see a lot of that country, and there's no one back there because all the gates. Lots of ticks, though. Um, yeah. So I ran a lot of that. But uh, So that was cool. Spent that season to the consortium. Did pretty well. And uh, during the practice, I about crushed myself, though, because I, I came out hot, and I went too hard, and I barely finished it during the practice, the physical part of the consortium. Yeah. So I kind of figured out how to pace myself and breeze through it. Not, I mean, not really breeze through it, but made it look like I breezed through it the second time, so that, like... So talking to my friend and talking to the guys at the practice, they're like, it's a lot more impressive looking if you slow down a little bit and look like it's not taking much effort. And I was like, yeah, good call. You know, so like yeah. second time I went through, like I uh, I wanted to be panting, but I was just breathing through my nose and making it seem like it was no sweat, you know, <laughs> to yeah. try, try yeah. to impress them. Um, but after I got like out of the room, I, I was <laughs> dying. Uh, but yeah, so then go through all that and all the application processes and do some interviews and um, trying to get on one of the bigger departments like Billings or Missoula and Missoula Rural too. I was trying to get on and I interviewed with both um, and just didn't land it. I think Missoula was only hiring like one person, Missoula City and then Rural. I think something weird happened with their hiring that year. I don't know if I was even like a top pick for them anyways, but I, I mean enough to get an interview. Right. And then I interviewed with Billings and then kind of like with NCSB, my last interview was with Great Falls and I had my interview polish at that point so i did a pretty good job and they, they were a great group of, group of folks anyway so like I, I was pretty happy and kind of felt full circle because my grandma grew up there and now i'm on the fire yeah. department up there yeah that's cool yeah and but then i found out thinking it was diet the whole time that was throwing me off then i find out that it's rest you like if i don't get enough rest then i'm in bad shape uh, and uh diet's still important but rest is is the bigger beast for me yeah so the academy i'm starting to feel a little funky and I make it through all right, and um, it's still a challenge, you know, it's designed to be, and uh, so get through that, and, you know, I'm pretty pumped because I'm, you know, I'm a real fireman, I feel like now, and get, getting on shift, and the first shift's pretty rough, like, I feel, like, really bad afterwards, like, my Crohn's is just, like, going bananas, and I'm like, well, that's a bad sign, but I got two days off, so I'm like, oh, all right, you know, whatever. Second shift, man, you know, it's uh, worse, you know, bad, but I got four days off, so I'm like, I'm fine. You know, so yeah. I come back for, you know, my third shift and it's like still getting worse. And like, I'm barely making calls because I'm like in the bathroom, you know, all the time and just drained, you know, everything feels heavy because I'm losing weight again. Yeah. Uh, so after just like not that many shifts, I had to throw in the towel there and, and I was only, I was only like, a, uh, worked for Great Falls for like three or four months. It wasn't very long because it just wrecked me real yeah. fast. That shift yeah. work. That, Talked to my primary doc in, in Whitehall, Dr. Rife. He's a great guy. And he's like he's like a second father, you know, cause small town. I've known him since I was a kid, you know. And uh so he he talked to you like like you're you're his kid, you know, and he really cares. And he's like, What are you doing? I was like, Well, I'm thinking about going back to school and he's like, No, like what are you doing to yourself? What, firefighting? I was like I was like, uh, yeah, I didn't really think that one through. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, Shift works hard on healthy people, man. Like, what do you think it's gonna do to you? He's like, Do you wanna do you wanna see fifty? And he's like getting a little stern with me. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it'd be kind of nice, I guess. And he's like, yeah, well, you got to start treating your body right, you know, and, and making smarter decisions. And, yeah. But it's cool because he's giving me like a dad talk. So I'm like, oh. So yeah. just briefly, for those that might not know, what is Crohn's? Yeah, so Crohn's is an autoimmune disorder that attacks your your to your entire gastrointestinal tract. So like pretty much from your mouth to your butthole um, mm -hmm. can be affected. And for me, I, it's mostly in my small intestine maybe at the start of my large intestine is where I have a lot of the issues and uh 
like my last season of fire, which was last year, um, was real bad. Like I, I had a lot of blood. When you were still at Sula? Mm-hmm, still yeah. at Sula, yeah. And what, is, what does it do? Does it, like, ulcerate stuff? Ulcerate, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it really soft. And um, and then you get these little, like, like ulcers in, and I end up having one, like, get so deep that I end up hitting a vesicle is what they thought. But I lost a lot of blood in a short period of time. Oh, wow. Like, lightheaded and, like, fell over in the, kind of, like, went down on my own power, but more of a guided fall in the good food store last year. And uh, because I'd lost so much blood, and that's the closest I've ever been to a transfusion. Wow. And I've had some injuries where I've lost some blood and nothing like that. And uh, and is it is Crohn's something that just people randomly that's what it somehow like. get it? Yeah, they they try to link it to genetics, but they, they're not sure if that's an issue or what the deal is there. Like they, Anybody else in your family ever had it? No, that's a problem. I mean, my mom always kind of talked about some gut issues, and she had rheumatoid arthritis, huh. which is also an autoimmune, so like it could be some connection there. But mm. uh, when I first got it, I was doing a bunch of research, and like no one in third world countries had it. So I kind of started intriguing to like diet and what we eat. What we eat, yeah, like preservatives. And, and God knows we eat enough stuff with preservatives in it. Oh, man. <laughs> MREs and yeah, all those exactly. wonderful things. Oh, it's exactly. <laughs> my brain went like, yeah, the MREs and stuff, you know, my life. What and, am I doing? Oh, I know, man, the old yeah. bag lunch. Yeah, so I, that's what I kind of think it was, you know, like a combination of, of a lot of things and like some stressors and stuff that yeah. just kind of came up with me. And so then, you know, battle with that. But, uh, you know, now that I got a fire, things are, things are a little better to you and, so, um, how long were you at Sula? Just one year. Just that one season. Yeah, just that one season. Yeah, starting starting the winter. I'm trying to think exactly where I started, but they brought me on kind of early because they're trying to help me have me help with hiring, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just four months ago I just left Sula. So I mean I was, I was still on until pretty recent, and then I got this position. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, first fire season so without being you, any fire for me. So your last kind of ranger district was my first ranger district. I mean, you oh, know, it was yeah. an independent district still then. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of wild. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. 2022 for me, I guess. Well, like part 23, but mostly 2022. Right. Yeah. Right. Ah, pretty wild. Wow. Yeah, so that kind of wraps up my fire. Uh, well, I guess that from structure fire, I took a just like a season off, like not even a full year really. It was 2018 and yeah, season of 2019 and then COVID hit. And I was trying to go uh, to physical therapy school. So I was trying to go to PT school and uh, my, my uh, bachelor's is healthy human performance. So it's like exercise uh, science. So most of my prereqs, I already got my undergrad. So I just needed, um, I retook uh, human anatomy and physiology uh, just to get a higher grade. Um, and then, uh, Physics. I didn't have physics, ochem, and then something so else. So you you didn't get a degree then? Is that what you're saying? Well, I got my bachelor's degree, but I never oh, okay. got, I never got my doctorate because okay. I was gotcha. I, yeah gotcha. I got all the prereqs. So I, I went through physics one and two, uh, physics based calculus calculus no calculus based physics one and two, which I'd never taken calculus or trigonometry. Huh. But I almost got an A, and it. I was like B, just a B plus. Yeah, I you're a. lucky. When I was never good at math, I failed algebra. Oh, I'm horrible at math. I just figured oh, out how to, how to uh, oh my, my way around physics just to just to pass. <laughs> but in the OCHEM, you know, I'm not. I wasn't ever very good at chemistry. But you know, older, you don't have this distraction when you go back. And yeah. I just live in the library and the tutors and talk to the professor. And yeah, so yeah, yeah I was able to do all right in OCHEM and did 
pretty good in physics and in uh, human anatomy and all all there was was the taking the GRE test and a couple more observation hours. I had almost all my ob- observation hours, but then COVID hit and everything shut down. So I was like, yeah, that kind of affected a lot of things. Yeah, I was like, a what couple now? Years. Yeah, so yeah, got, wow. Got back on the COVID hire in Stevensville, and that's what brought me to Bitterroot. Yeah, in 2020. And here you are at the SO right now, anyway. Yeah, at the SO. Yeah, working the SO. Yeah. Yeah. Not, well, not, not podcasting at the SO though. <laughs> <laughs> See, man. You've done a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, it's, it's been a great run, man. I, I knew you did. I mean, I haven't heard a lot of your stories, and now I have, and I love them. Yeah. Uh, but it's like all of us, that's what this podcast thing is so cool that you're doing it is because it's a vehicle for all of us from as far back as me, you know, can kind of tell our stories through through what we've done in fire and otherwise. And yeah. and that's, that's kind of why I wanted to to do this when I first got that idea of me interviewing you because you've done a lot of cool stuff too. Oh, I, well, I appreciate it. But you know, when you're in the shoes, it doesn't, it just feels you know, whatever, you know, that, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like for me, like looking at my experience, it just seems like anybody else's experience. It doesn't seem like, you know, anything too crazy, you know? I, yeah, I know, but everybody's stories are good and we've all, we've all yeah. got a lot of similar things, but a lot of different things too. Yeah, absolutely. You know? and, and that's actually kind of like part, like speaking of that, like some of the guests that I've had on or wanted to have on, they're like, I don't know, man, my stories aren't that cool. I'm like, that's because you're living them. Like for everyone else on the outside looking in and, you know, like the wildland fire, it's, it seems big, but it's not. You know, like when, I'm, when I became a smoke jumper, so many people didn't have a clue what it was. Yeah. I remember like going out to eat in Boise and it was just me and all jumpers, you know, in our group. And um, at first... Uh, one of the guys was calling us a uh, grasshopper biologist or something like that because, you know, like just trying to downplay it or something, that, you know, uh, and just messing with him. And then finally, yeah. finally we couldn't we couldn't back it up because we know nothing about it. So uh, <laughs> finally one of the other guys was like, oh, yeah, we're smoke jumpers. And these guys were like, what? And they're like, wow, we're grasshopper biologists. <laughs> you know, yeah. so even in, you know, even in Pocatello, you know, they didn't have a clue. And they have a spike base there. And another, you know, another good service, like I said, of what you're doing with these podcasts is that a lot of people, like you're saying, a lot of people have no idea what we really do, yeah. you know, and, you know, you, you see pictures on the national news of hotshot crews on some fire, but, you know, what do they do? You know, they don't really yeah. know. Or no. the same with the jumpers, the same with district crews, the same with all of it. All of it, yeah, repellers. It's a yeah. good vehicle for us to tell our stories and... You know, and it's it's pretty true that most of us are pretty passionate about it. Yeah. it's a pretty freaking cool life. It is, It can man. be hard. It can be tough on folks with families and stuff like that at times. But, I mean, it's a pretty cool life, and it's nice to get the word out there why we like it. Yeah. For the adventure and for the camaraderie and all those things. Yeah. You know, taking care of one another. I mean, it's a job where... You know, whether it's two or three of you on a fire, on a district fire, or whether you're in a 20-person a crew situation, that we all we all take care of one another because that's, that's what we do. And that's yep. when you pull off a, a hard job and everybody's safe and you've done good, hard work and you feel really good. Yeah, You're tired, but you feel really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Man. It's weird, like the like that, that kind of like love comes out of you and you know everyone around you. You know, like you just feel like everybody's 
you know, like really happy to be part of the team and, yeah. and with each other, you know. You bond with these people that you'd probably never ever see otherwise, you know. Yeah. Come from all parts of the country. Yep. You know, and end up here in this little valley. Yeah. You know? With I mean, I remember when I started, there was Jim Leverton was from from Long Island. You know, there were people from all over the place that ended up here. Yeah. And those were good stories, too. It's like, how did you end up here, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's... And, in, and doing this, doing yeah. what we're doing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> totally. I think that's kind of what sparked some of the curiosity way back when and kind of started, you know, the, maybe the the little snowball rolling towards this was that, you know, like, cause you said, like you show up on a fire, no matter what size it is, as long as it's like where there's other resources showing up, you're like, Hey, who are you? What do you do? How'd you get here? You know? Yeah. So you kind of do like a little interview of, of folks with you anyways, you know? And then there's a special times like you've been talking about tonight where you end up on a fire with somebody from your hometown, Yeah. you know, or, I'm on a fire in Florida with the Hotshot crew and I run into somebody that I was on a fire in Washington state with or something the year before or five years before or something. It's just, yeah. it's pretty cool. Oh, so cool, man. Pretty and then cool. with fire folks, because the bond is so deep really that when you run into them again, it's like, it's like you haven't skipped a beat, you know? Yeah. It's like, Hey man, how you been? Or, you know, or gal, you know, if it's, you know, a yep. gal that you worked with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Oh, it's so awesome, man. Well, cool, man. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for. I really appreciate it, man. Oh, no, you're welcome. I I enjoyed it. I, I'm glad we were able to pull it off because we've been talking about this for a long time, you know. And yeah, I'm glad folks have gotten this to hear your story too. Yeah, no, I appreciate it because someone asked me about it a while ago, and uh, and I think you'd mentioned this a while ago too. So it was already like kind of in the works, and they're like, "Man, I you should probably do something like." you know, some kind of little blurb on yourself. I was like, ah, well, it'll come out in the podcast, you know? So, yeah, like you said, this worked out great. Little knowing that we've been talking about it for a while, the two of us. Yeah, totally, man. Just waiting to set it and up. And it was cool that we were able to keep it keep it secret till now. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally, man. And it worked out It worked out really good this week. So originally I was going to try to hustle up and, and meet you in Salmon Mountain when you were up there this summer and doing yeah. the workout deal. Yeah, this, this was better. It would have been tough to get the right stuff up there to do it you know it would have been cool but yeah yeah and the timing like yeah even really hard and, and we're here in this beautiful airstream too yeah. so it's good stuff yeah it worked out great well thank you so much reen i really appreciate it you bet buddy yeah and thanks for everyone who tunes in and listens yeah thanks for listening to us yeah appreciate you